Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Midmax Show, a place about games, friends, getting better. My name is Ben Hansen. Join today. Just to start with, though, we have Leo Vader. Thank you. Oh, it's so nice to hear your voice, man. Me too. Yeah. Kyle Hilliard. Hello. And I'm here. S- and Sarah Podorski is here too. Hello. Welcome, everybody. We are here for a big show, and we won't go away. We live in your phone. Uh, This episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about 2021's Hidden Gems. We're all going to go around the table, share some games that might have slipped by your radar this year, which Sarah proudly proclaimed was... That's all the games you played were games that slipped by everybody else's radar. Yeah, yeah. Ben was like, do you have any games that you think were underrated? And I'm like, you just mean like my games, period? Right, right. (laughs) Games that I play, period? Ultimate hipster move, but we'll unpack Mm -hmm. it all. Uh, Let's see. Oh, Leo, I have some news for you. I don't know how you're going to react to it, but Epic Bot Harmonics? Yep. Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then back half of the show, we're going to be joined by multiple special guests uh, to talk about the Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remakes, answer some great community questions, and we'll probably talk about some League of Legends games as well. Did you get a chance to play any of those games, Sarah? I I did. Okay, thank you. Uh, We'll talk all about it. Uh, But let's kick this sucker off. We have Joshua Duproy here from the community who submitted a question over on Patreon, and they say, somewhat related topic here, uh, what's the best game y'all played this year that didn't release in 2021? Ooh. 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 Uh, old Ooh. games? It's not even I mean, content relevant. You guys aren't ready. Yeah, hit it, Kyle. I mean, my, it was a 2020 game, so it, like I don't know if it, it barely counts, but Undermine just like totally took me over in like January, February. It was like all right. I wanted to play. Right. Which was weird because it's not a genre I typically like. But that like, it, you know, broke down the wall for me and I got obsessed with it for a little while. And then that led me to really loving Returnal in a way. Ooh, interesting. Prime the pump. I'm trying to remember, yeah, where Undermine was like on your top 10 list last year. Did it not really make the cut? I, no, I didn't even touch it until like Ugh. January of 2021. It, I, I I played it on Switch, but like it really, you guys were really positive on it. But I yeah. was like, it's just not really my genre. I don't I don't think I'll like it. I'd rather play different things. And then I was like, let me give this thing a go, and it just sucked me in immediately. It, it really surprised. Me. Hell yeah! And Leo, you think you've enjoyed old games this year more than new games? I think I have. When this topic for the main chunk came up, I thought I would have a bunch for it, but then I realized like all the games I've been playing are from 2019, 2020. And I would say the highlights are twofold. Yeah. Uh, VR. I've been playing mm-hmm. this game called Master Bladesmith. I've been seeing that on Steam. Really? You've, read, you've messed up. Leo, personally, has messed up all of my Steam recommendations. Because it's really? aggressively pushing Master Blaze. It's like your friend, <laughs> Kenny Loggins, is really enjoying this game. To an obnoxious degree, he should really cool it over there. Okay, it's just Yeah, a... you might want to talk to him. <laughs> it's like a sword fighting game? <laughs> it's a blacksmithing game. Oh, what? But so you it's just make of... the swords. You make the swords. You have your smithing book that you flip through. You put your ore in the thing and put it in the furnace and it melts and then you put it in the mold and then you heat up the ingot and then you bang it out oh. and shape it. And there's like skills you're leveling up there that have different percentage chances of like getting a pristine weapon. And the point is to make weapons that have really high durability because then you go into the time chamber, it's called, where you're like destroying targets 
and trying to last as long as possible for a very exponential progression. It almost feels like an idle game sometimes because it's collecting ore while you're doing other stuff. Yeah. And it's a really satisfying loop. And I really want more VR games that are just like doing a job like that. The blacksmith thing. Does it, um, this is make or break for me, Leo. Do wacky adventurers come in and like, I need the axe of a god or something like that? No. Yeah. Okay. I think that could be a good element is running the shop, but you right. kind of just put it in a in a box and sell it essentially. Still, I think everybody's had that fascination every time you see any fantasy anything, or I guess it's in real life too, when someone's just banging on some hot iron, like I, it's something that I guess I have always wanted to do and never really put on the tip of my tongue in such a way. It's really satisfying. And let me tell you why this is twofold. Mm-hmm. It's because the other game I've been enjoying, Master Blade Smith's 2020, Portable Farm from 2019, <laughs> is a VR game that you boot up first, and then you boot up another VR game, and then you can play it within that. There's a s- special gesture you do. At any point in any other VR game, once you have it open, you put your hands together and fold them out, and it just spawns this portal that peers into this Shut little farm. Up. What? Where you plant seeds and water it and do this little idle game, and then do the gesture to banish the portal until you want it again. And it works so well in Master Bladesmith, because there are times where you're like, I don't really, not really ready to do the time chamber, but I'm waiting for ore to collect, so I'll just open up this farm and play this other game while I'm standing here in my blacksmith shop. I love that. You're it's just playing so, games I'm pulling in up, your games? Like, it's the future. I'm pulling up uh, trailers for these as you bring them up. Cause, and it's like they're showing someone playing like a shooter. Like a, you're there in the desert with a military shooter and they just open up a little farm and they just farm <laughs> for a few seconds and go back to the shooter. This is bizarre. That's what people say when I die in Pavlov and I'm frustrated. I'll just stay in the death screen and open up the portable farm. Do the That's farm gesture, which everybody knows the farm gesture. It's just sweeping the nation. Sarah, yeah. I don't know if you're like a VR person, but these kind of sound like Sarah E games. They really are. I yeah. really do like those kind of games where I just get to do a little job. You know, like all I do is like work a profession that I don't get paid to do, like repeated motions. Right. So they really do, which is probably why Steam is pushing the blacksmith game so hard on me, despite the fact that I do not own VR yet. Yet. <laughs> Interesting way to frame it. Uh, okay. We have so many games from Wait, this year. Is Master Bladesmith on Quest or that's just Steam? And it might be just Steam because it's early access. Mm. Oh, okay. Sorry, Cal. Uh, no good. No good. That's, Airlink. Sorry. Got to come to Quest. We do have. Sounds like a lot of work, Leo. <laughs> it's amazing how little work it is. I do. I need to try that. I need to. I need to play some more. Um, some uh, more Alex with you trying that out. Oh, yeah. it's awesome. Hey, twenty twenty one, big year. Big games. This is the time, everybody. It's time to crunch for the top 10 lists. Uh, I am nearing the panic. I know we talked about it last week, but still, I'm now doing the math on my upcoming weekends in particular, and it's like, I gotta I gotta be brutal. Maybe I'll just get through Forgotten City. If I just like make that my one goal, maybe loop here on a plane, playing a little more on my Switch. I think that may be it. That may be where I close this thing down. But there's so many good games. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that gets uh, left off the table when talking about the greatest games from 2021. Because you can talk about the AAA stuff. Like, you know, when I think about the underrated games this year, the sellout part of me is like i think guardians of the galaxy is underrated i think it takes two is underrated i think knockout city is underrated which i think are all true but at the same time like this is about elevating some smaller stuff that's like super duper under the radar like let's be as obscure and as hip as sarah just for like one podcast alone is it too much to ask for yeah please okay thank you now kyle that grimace on your face 
uh, lets me know you're alive and lets me know that you're excited to jump in maybe with your third most uh, underappreciated game from this year. Yeah. Uh, no, my Grimace was like uh, as obscure as possible because I'm like, eh, I think, I mean, mine are yeah, somewhat yeah, obscure. You know what? I, I oversold yeah. it. You're right. Um, but my number three is um, Fist. Forged in Shadow Torch. Yeah. A game whose name I wouldn't have remembered had I not written it down beforehand. I mean, I always remember the fist part. It's that second part that throws me off. But uh, it's a Metroid-inspired uh, game. It kind of feels closer visually to, like, Shadow Complex, but it's, like, melee-focused. You're not shooting guns. And it's cool. is this surprise game that looked kind of interesting, and then when we finally got it in our hands, it's like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And then Metroid Dread came out, and I right. immediately went over to Metroid Dread, and I'm sure everyone else did, and they were happy they did, because Metroid Dread's a great game, but if you want more Metroid, Metroid-style games, I think Fist, Forged in Shadow Torches, is, is one of the good ones this year. Like, up there with, you know, second after Metroid, probably, in terms of 2021 Metroid-inspired games. Yeah, if you don't remember from uh, trailers, I think it was shown during a couple PlayStation events and stuff like that, but it's the one where it's the cute little rabbit who has the giant, wacky mechanical arm. It's that Metroidvania, yeah. everybody. Like, do you, right, do you right. think it's cracking your top ten, Kyle? I don't think it's cracking my top ten, but I did, I, I enjoyed it, and I liked it, and I, and I wanted to highlight it in some way. Yeah, yeah. Fist, forged in Shadow Torch, everybody. Run, don't walk. Love it. Uh, Sarah, you got a number three? Yes. Are we going from, like, most obscure to least obscure. I think like matter. I think I, I I have mine personally personal, ranked like in terms of level of personal passion. favorite. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Personal favorite. Yeah. Well, I'll just go with uh, since I played it the most recently. Unpacking Ooh. the game where you go through someone's life and every move they have, you unpack their stuff. Yeah. Something about it. The narrative. The narrative that you can tell just through unpacking someone's life at different stages. So they start as a child. They then go to college, they get that shitty first apartment outside of college, and just the stuff that you see your character bringing with, and you kind of, like, see her develop these hobbies, you see what is she interested in, and you don't really ever meet her, but by the end of it, you, like, know her so intimately. I'll be honest, I cried at the end. Wow! Yeah, I cried at the end of that game. That's interesting. And it's, it's a short play, it's only, like... Three to four hours, so people are a little upset about that. But the attention to detail in it is so nice. I just, I like these small experiences that are small, easy to consume, and like there's nothing wrong with it. Like I don't have any kind of criticism for it. Yeah, I totally agree. All I want now as a gamer is like a little, like little experience, good from the beginning to the end. You'll never be annoyed. Yeah, that's that's peak gaming, I think, in your 30s. Mm hmm. I, I played it second. I mean, I didn't play it. I experienced it secondhand, let's say, because my family really got into it. And it really is like the perfect example of like a narrative that can only be told in a video game. Right. Because like, right. it really cannot be done out in any other medium as effectively as it was done in unpacking. It's really cool. Yeah, I played like an hour of it or so. I'm still confused a little bit about like the, the fail states. Like when is it giving you error messages about like, You'd think you'd be able to unpack anything anywhere, but it's just like the specific rooms about obviously this doesn't belong in this room, so uh, uh, try again. Yeah, they'll like highlight it in red and right. then you have to move it. Like there was this one part where the my main character had like just gone through a breakup and I was putting pictures on the cork board and I kept getting like, uh, 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 and I'm like, why doesn't, what is this? Oh, and it was a interesting. picture of her and her ex-boyfriend 
and it wouldn't let me pass until I threw it into a cupboard. And then it was like, you did it! Like, you passed! And I was like, ooh. <laughs> Forcing that's, it down specifically. That's a good way. interactive storytelling. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. nice. I thought uh, my fiance is a very orderly person. And so I thought, oh, this would be a fun game for her. So I brought it down and, and played with her and uh, could not have been more underwhelmed. <laughs> She's like, does anything happen? What is this? Like, what is the game? I'm like, no, it's like you learn about their <laughs> lives and their stories. And look, you unpack all these bras. It's fun, right? And, mm-hmm. and then I said, genuinely, scale of one to ten, what would you give this game? She's like, Oh, three out of ten? Like, it's just <laughs> trash. It's like, oh, t- I really thought this was like going to be a good couple's game. So you have to be in a I don't specific know if, like, mood. Unpacking objects out of a box and putting them on shelves is a good couple's game. I think it's a good conversation starter, right? You get to talk about where things go. Like, it is kind of fun, honestly, to be like, oh, no, like that, your school bag totally goes underneath your computer desk versus off to the side of the nightstand. There's interesting things to kind of unpack if you will uh, moving but, is such a stressful time for couples you think there'd be some therapeutic value in you two doing it together. yeah i really thought so too but you know better luck next time i guess uh <laughs> hey for me uh my third favorite hidden gem from this year is a game that is tough to remember the name of uh it is oliha o-l-i-j-a um it came out in january so this is an oldie but a goodie um pixel art 2d Action adventure game. Cal, you played Oliha, right? Yeah, I finished it based on your recommendation. Oh, and nice. I also considered putting it on my list, but I paused because I figured you would put it on your list. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, it like stood out as like the first game this year that I was really passionate about. I was like, oh, this is just lovely, and it's it's very up your alley, Sarah. Where it's like five hours or so, five to seven hours, probably. You're going out, uh, going on different missions from the boat and then come back to a town. You slowly build up this town uh, over time. You're upgrading and swapping out different hats along the way and stuff. But Devolver published it and uh, the developer's name is Thomas Olson, I believe. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. It's like 15 bucks. Uh, it's available on the eShop. You can get it on Switch. But like, if you just want a nice 2D action adventure, I mean, I guess you could compare it to something maybe like in another world. It's a little bit in that vein uh, but more it just looks like another world. Certainly. It does, yeah. yeah but more just kind of action adventure platform where you're getting different equipment and stuff along the way. But I really like it. It's Oliha is the name of that sucker. Leo, what about you, man? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, no problem. <clears throat> Have you guys heard of this game? They always run. I think you talked about it on the podcast, but I kind of like forget what's going on there. No chance. No okay. chance. I did. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Uh, I found it in my Epic Games library and decided to give it a shot. And it's a really satisfying side scroller. It's kind of like a painted art style. And I would say the the main hook as you're learning the combat, you know, it's your basic hits and counters and shooting. But you also have this third arm that if you hold right bumper, I think it is. If you think of a kind of like a hand on a watch that you're controlling with your thumbstick, like picking the direction of it. So if you just point it out there and run into somebody, it's not going to do anything, but you have to like do the act of slamming with it or swiping from one side to the other. And it's a really cool tactile element of the combat. And it's about like quick restarts and mastering little scenarios. And you're just kind of this space bounty hunter. It's really small, interesting, satisfying game. Yeah, I feel like there's been a couple instances this year of you kind of realizing, hey, there's a shocking amount of good stuff in the Epic Game Store just sitting there. It's true. Some of it's also on Steam. Yeah, I guess so. But, but I just find it in my library. Yeah, oh, that's cool. They always run is the name of that one. Love it. 
Kyle Wallace with a number two, like the biggest, best number two you could possibly throw out there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Here it comes. Uh, this one's a Game Pass game, which I feel like diminishes its obscurity almost, but uh, Narita Boy. Oh, yeah. Which is a lot like Aliha in that it is like a very pixely 2D adventure game. You kind of, like, if you look at a trailer or something, you might think it's Metroidy. But it's not. It's just sort of a, a linear action game, and it's just right. got. It's like the idea. The story is that you are the son of like yeah, Steve Jobs type who revolutionized, uh, you know, computers, and he like de- created like this Tron like world, and you go in there and you have to sort of save it, and and you sort of relive the memories of your father. So there's just like this interesting story to it, but it just looks fantastic. Yeah. it's like some of the best pixel art I've seen in a while, and I really like the soundtrack. The soundtrack is very. Um, like trancy, you know, kind of Blade Runnery, and it's just it's just got a cool style. I I really like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Do you think uh, we might be talking about it in a future episode of the podcast where we might be breaking down some of the best game music from the year? Kind of? Maybe, interesting. Maybe. I, you know, I don't want to make any promises. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about unpacking then too. I just, I don't want to. Ooh, interesting. To All right. No, I like, I like that choice because it's definitely one of those games that when you sent it over so I could get the beetle ready and stuff. I'm like, Narita boy, it sounds familiar, but I don't even remember what that is. Then you go back and look at the trailer. It's like, oh, that's right. I played that for a bit, and that does look incredible. We shouldn't forget yeah. about the the highs of Narita boy. Never yeah, forget. Nothing about the highs else. Of Narita just go boy. watch a trailer just to look at some really fantastic pixel art. Absolutely, Sarah. Number two. Uh, it's gotta be Toem. Toem for the for the sole reason that I hate photo mode in video games. <laughs> and this game, hate. Toem itself, yeah, I dislike any kind of like Wait, forced can we, photography. Can we just for a second, this is Do not like it. all the time. Never a required. You element. know, there's always a quest that it's like, can you take a picture of a something something, and you're like, and then they make you look at it, and I'm like, why do I want this? Who is this for? <laughs> why does every game need like a photo aspect uh-huh. in it? I don't understand. <laughs> We do have a series uh, at Mimax called Photo Mode Snap, Sarah. You'd be a great co-host at some point just for reviewing community screenshots. <laughs> I feel like it's right up your alley. You'll just be spitting on the camera for everyone. It's going to be awesome. Why? Get me out of here. <laughs> this is hell on earth. <laughs> but tell yes. is like the entire game is about taking photos. Like that's how you complete all your quests. That's how you get through your, you know, your missions, your side quests. It's all about taking photos. But they made it actually enjoyable. Which is saying a lot because I hate most, I hate forced photo mode. Right. Um, it's just a really cute, another short game, great story. It's kind of like a short walk. Hike. But maybe, you know, like I wouldn't, not like that. It's like a little bit below a short hike, but right. still very good. Still very good. Yeah. And I think you streamed the entire thing. Was it on MinMax? Yep. Okay. Yeah. It on MinMax. It's very cute. Very short. Just yeah. Just another one of those really clean experiences. I think there is something to that idea of like, an annoying element from other games, if it's the full game, somehow it gets a pass. Like, I always think of Subnautica, where it's like, oh, I love that game, but the underwater level, especially, like, if there's an oxygen meter in any other game, sucks. But somehow when the entire game is underwater levels with oxygen meter, with Subnautica, it's like, oh, this is awesome. Just somehow, like, leaning into that exact thing, and you're not, like, being derailed from another primary objective or another primary gameplay loop. I think you can find an interesting avenue there for some indie games. But yeah, Toem, To-O, it's spelled To-O-E-M, everybody. I don't know how much more clear I can be. Uh, by the way, uh, these games are all in the descriptions if you want the exact spelling and stuff and a quick reference there. Leo, you look like you're thinking of something very thoughtfully. I always am. Yeah. Do you, 
Do you? Do you want I'm really to... trying to figure out if I need to sneeze again or not. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair. That happens a fair amount. Uh, hey, for me, my number two is a game that I talked about before on the podcast, but I recently looking at the list of the Game Awards and what was nominated for Best Art Direction, I was horrified that this indie game did not get more love in general, and especially in this category, but Genesis Noir which came out earlier this year. I believe it was on Game Pass. I don't know if it's still on Game Pass now. Uh, It's not on PlayStation, just a heads up, but it's available everywhere else. Uh, It is absolutely one of the most stunning-looking games I've ever seen in my life. Like, if you take just any random chapter of this game and make a Let's Play of it, I feel like that could be Oscar-nominated for Greatest Animated Short. Like, it's just (laughs) so incredible-looking, and it's... I guess if you had to describe it, it's still kind of space history themed psychedelic point and click adventure noir so it's one of those gems but we talked about it on the podcast before but it's such a weird game to set up and explain but the core idea is it's a noir film style in the beginning a character shoots your girl and the bullet then leaving the gun becomes the big bang of the universe and you're working your way through the timeline of the universe as the bullet is getting closer to the femme fatale um it is such a weird thing and the ending is just awesome and again really trippy weird stuff and if you've never looked up a trailer for genesis noir please go look at a trailer for it just to see how this thing looks because it is absolutely incredible granted little frustrating at times because like well point and click genre combined with psychedelic you don't know what's real and what's not like it's kind of a mushy combo but still it's such a cool weird premise and it's there's no text there's no talking so it doesn't get uh too pretentious or anything but genesis noir also it's 12 dollars and it's short so what's wrong with you come on show it some love uh okay no leo you got it dude bring it on home bring it on home here we go the second of three that's right (laughs) uh mine is into the radius which is another vr game sorry everyone and it came out last year sorry what are you doing buddy (laughs) but it's a the 2.0 update came out recently and that's what i'm recommending they changed a ton about it changed a ton about the map and progression and the way it looks what's that sound Sorry, is that my dog? <laughs> I don't know what that was. Okay, into the race. I'm looking at the trailer right now, Leo. It's like a survival game? Yeah. It's uh, open world survival in this radiated wasteland. It's very stalkery. People who like stalker like to huh. say. But what I love about it is the looting. It's the most immersive looting I've found in a VR game. You're basically... Here's just a scenario to set up... To, to to encapsulate a lot of things about it yeah i'll be like stranded in the dark i'll have stayed in the radius too long you know you can leave and go back to bed or whatever but i've i've overextended now i need to find a safe place and i'm inside this big tent i'm creeping along and i'm like okay this table i can kind of look at the loot i've got and get it sorted and so i'll take out my flashlight and set it on a shelf to illuminate the area and then take no, my backpack no. out, put it in front of me, and it'll stay right there. And I'll be picking things out of it. And you'll have to kind of arrange things. You'll be like, I'm going to have my food in the upper left Ooh, of the backpack. That's good. And my ammo down here. And then I'll, be, I'll take out ammo boxes and individual bullets and like put the bullets in the ammo box. Take magazines, fill them from the ammo box, and put them in my magazine pouch. 
there's like so much ammo management that makes every bullet really matter in a way i've always loved like ammo scarcity in games where do you find these vr games since no one on earth is ever talking about them ever leo (laughs) i just search the vr tag on steam a lot and it still never puts VR games in my discovery queue. I'm trying to tell it I only want VR games, and it's... Oh, they're, they're sending them to Sarah. Yeah, they're all in mine, actually. Oh. Yeah, it's a colossal mistake. <laughs> Huge misstep. We got a trade. Uh, Leo, I just looked this up. This is another VR title that's not on Quest, so I, I really need you to just start recommending <laughs> Quest games, okay? It'd be nice, man. Uh, man. It'd be For really me? nice. Uh, <laughs> are you at a point, Leo, where you're, like, just in a constant rage at society for not getting into VR more? <laughs> like, do you think it's stupid that the rest, well, that half of this podcast doesn't have some VR stuff, or is it very much like, this is my little thing, and I understand I'm a little little quirkzilla over here. Quirkzilla. <laughs> I don't know. Which um, I definitely don't uh, blame you guys or okay, anyone thank for you. not getting into VR in its current state. I'm honestly very satisfied with how it's progressing. Like, so many new games that are so interesting all the time. Clearly there's some people out there who are buying them, so I'm not too worried, I guess. <laughs> In theory, yeah. All right, that's good to know. Uh, all right, Kyle, number one, the humdinger itself. Yeah, and this is my kind of like my wince one when we were talking about obscurity, because like maybe this doesn't count as obscure, but uh, Little Nightmares 2. I really adored that game, and it has kind of just, you know, gone quiet because it came out so much earlier in the year. I, You know, I'm, I'm not seeing it in, like, these early end-of-the-year discussions, but right. I loved Little Nightmares, too. I think it really outdoes the first one in a big way. It's really creepy and fantastic and, and weird, and it was one that um, my, my, my kid doesn't like scary stuff, but for some reason... That one she was really entranced by, and we played the whole thing through together. Uh, and it was just super weird and cool. And, and a lot of, like, if, if we were discussing, like, moments of the year, like, there's yeah. this one teacher character that we I had a lot of, like, just like, whoa, that's horrifying. I, I want to get away from that thing uh, moments, which I really love. So, yeah, Little Nightmares 2 is, is my favorite sort of, you know, obscure game that came out this year. Yeah, it's almost like we're going to be discussing moments of the year in a couple weeks here for the MinMax Awards, which should be an interesting discussion overall. Look forward to that, please. Yeah, that's nice. The moment you put on your VR headset and get transported (laughs) to another world. All right, we can't talk Leo off this cliff. we got to go with it, everybody. No, I think you're right. Just give it number 10 like we do every year. It'll be fine. (laughs) I'm always fascinated by that discussion, uh, Kyle, about like, Ah, this game, it seems like it kind of fell off the radar. I guess people aren't talking about it this deep in the year, but it's like, I don't know, what game from earlier this year are people still talking about? You know, I think that's just the nature of the business, right? Is just everything's going to be I mean, flashing the panel. I still like Resident Evil Village is yeah, showing up on end of the year lists and stuff like that. Those AAA games stick around, but if you're not AAA, it, even if it's really great, I feel like it kind of it tapers off. Like Valheim, I feel like has tapered off a little bit, even huge. though that was huge earlier in the year. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's fair. Uh, okay, Sarah, number one. Okay, number one. This yep. was my biggest surprise of the year that I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it a little too much. Do you ever feel like you're enjoying something a little too much in a game? Because it's just kind of a Start dumb game? Start to reflect on yourself a little mm. bit of why you enjoy this so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mine so. is Gas Station Simulator. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what it is about operating my little gas station. I think it was the fact that I could scan objects like a, at a, like a grocery store and Ooh. put them in a basket for somebody. Ooh, that's good. I'd be like, beep, beep. That just like that something in my mind just went, ooh, yeah, this is it. This is it right here. 
But I love that. So it's part of the game because the rest of the game is like part of the game. you're fixing you up the whole fill, thing. Yeah, you got to fill people's gas tanks. You got to like order your gas. You got you get to pick the snacks that your gas station has, Ooh. and you have to stock the snacks. So you have to be like checking on inventory. You got to make sure like the truck can get in to drop off your inventory and storage. You have to make sure that like everything's stocked and looking nice. And then like halfway through, you also become a mechanic. So people will just <laughs> no. pull into a garage and be like, "I need new tires." And then, so now you have to make sure you have tires. And God, I didn't know where the spark plugs were supposed to go. So that was kind of a, hard for me, but I figured it out. But you just have to do a lot. Yeah, it's such a weird game because it's like, I see, you see the name of it on Steam and it's like, okay, yeah, I know a lot of people are playing this. It's kind of just one of those jokey games, right? But I love when inside of a jokey name, it's like, no, actually, it's a really good sim in here. It's really compelling, mm-hmm. compelling to like yeah. keep rolling. Also, I feel like if I was playing this game, and maybe I should play it at some point. Like, I feel like it would add to it. And maybe this is too far. Sarah. Maybe this is the sign mm-hmm. that you're taking it too far. Okay. But I feel like you'd want a little smell of gasoline while you're playing it. Like, just, just put a, a little whiff. Yeah, just put like just a little, little rag in your gas tank. Then just put it mm-hmm. on like the far side of the room. Like that is the right level of sensory. Because what other game is this smelly? Might I ask? Like, it has to be like the most like iconic smell Mario to a Land. game. That's right. <laughs> I did forget about that. That's a great point. Uh, all right, my uh, favorite little hidden gem from this year is a game that I've probably talked about too much, uh, but I won't stop. This is Before Your Eyes. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Save that's going to say Before Your Eyes. Save it for the Game of the Year debates. Uh, before Your Eyes, uh, we've talked about it. Uh, Jacob Geller was on the podcast a while ago to talk about it as well. This is the game that is a very tough name to remember, but is the game that you control by blinking. The first game to be controlled by blinking that I know of at least. You have to calibrate your webcam as you play it so that it registers when you're blinking. And it has one of the greatest premises I've ever seen in the video game industry history, which is that you're dead in the afterlife. And then you're going back and looking at your own life. And every time you blink in real life, you're jumping forward in time throughout your life is the basic premise of what you're working with here. There's some twists and turns along the way and all that fun stuff, but that premise and just interacting with a game in such a new way and having this for me, really effective story uh, by the end, absolutely floored me. And I was just so happy to experience something completely new uh, from the game industry this year. Now I'm trying to remember, Sarah, you were streaming it, which seems yeah. impossible. Like I had a, to have I had two webcams set up because I had to use the other one to like monitor my blinking while the other one was recording. Oh my god. It just seems like emotionally a tough one to stream. Is it? <laughs> All right. <laughs> and Leo, remember you hated it because the tech sucked? Is that what I recall? Those were my words I chose, if I remember right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um it was yeah, it, it was like registering blinks that weren't there and that made it hard. I don't know mm. if I would love the story if it really if the tech was working, but that made it, yeah, not a good mm-hmm. experience. Please yeah. don't listen to half this podcast, everybody. Before your eyes, go check it out. It's also a short experience. All of yep. mine are, are short and cheap. And so uh, please check this out. I'm uh, just a mouse and keyboard player. I just wish you could play on a mouse and keyboard. Yeah, I'm totally with you. So the person who all their favorite games are VR games. <laughs> <laughs> Before your eyes, please don't forget it. It's one of the best games of the year. Uh, okay, Leo, last one, baby. <sighs> My last, my answer's stupid. It is stupid. It's objectively <laughs> you stupid. You can't hate me for it more than I already hate myself for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But I looked in my heart, and oh. you know what I found is that people are really overlooking Writers Republic right now. Okay, man, you got to be honest with yourself. Look, the heart wants what it wants. And as that phrase has taught us, sometimes it's completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I have to debate. Am I going to give game of the year to a game that has a ukulele cover of Gangster's Paradise? In it? <laughs> Were you really capable of doing that? Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I, I really like Writer's Republic. I mean, it's it's certainly on my, my, you know, my long list of like top 10 of the year to think about. But yeah, I don't. Wow, num- number one, huh? That's where you're you're kind of feeling, huh? <laughs> Maybe I don't not to get ahead of ourselves here, but I can't remember having more fun in a game, more straight what? up fun. What? More fun per minute? Wow, the FPM? Right. That's I, ridiculous. I, I'm with you, Leo. Like, I mean, it, it is a game that's just like you know, it, it doesn't take long to be doing something crazy, and that's what's cool about it. Yeah, and it feels like you're really good really early, but there also is a really high skill ceiling that I'm still pursuing and learning how to do the really complicated like corkscrew flips and the timing on those for all the different sports is really satisfying. Wow. Do you have a sense? You can also go, you can use the jetpack to go really high and then just like turn it off and fall and fall and fall. And if you just switch to walking mode right before you hit the ground... You're like totally fine. That doesn't There's fun. also really fun weeklies with like exclusive gear and costumes. And one of them was a foam bike, which isn't super good, except it has really high absorption rating. So you can hit the ground from jumping off a cliff and be fine. So it's like putting in the time for weeklies to get that thing I can use forever to land from falling from the sky type heights like I was right, talking about. Right. Do you have a sense? There's a lot of, been a lot of reasons for me to keep playing it. Do you have a sense of like the user base, how it's doing? Do you feel like it's under the radar on the player's point of view or just from the press point of view? I feel like both. I'm active in the subreddit and the numbers, <laughs> the upvotes there don't seem that high or anything. Damn it. And certainly, yeah, just from people I know talking about it, it feels you like. You gotta put this community on your back, Leo. Yep. <laughs> I do. You gotta carry it. Bring him just, and then strap a jetpack to that and then just skyrocket right Leo, to the Leo, you gotta movie. take, we'll get more into this in a little bit, but you gotta take Fuser off. You know, mm-hmm. clear the hard drive space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, Barry, throw yeah. Riders Republic back there. Why wait, Kyle? Let's talk about that right now. Uh, gut reaction, Leo, to the news that Epic Games has purchased our dearly beloved best friend, Harmonix. It's better than the news that Harmonix has shut down and disbanded. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> that, yes, that is exactly <laughs> my feeling. It's like, it is such a bummer to see one of the last great indie studios, and I think they were technically owned by some some other company in the fine print and stuff. Um, but for a studio that we've been rooting for for so long, like it just sucks to have this indie studio that's been around for so many decades now just yep, wiped off the board, just absorbed into the hive mind of developers at Epic. And they say they're going to support Rock Band and Fuser still, but it's hard to imagine they would... Do at the very most they'll maintain the current support. Like those games will never get a big, uh, big influx of support again, right? Yeah, I don't Hard know what that would look like. I mean, if Harmonix is good at one thing, it's maintaining that level of support. The fact that they're still releasing DLC for Rock Band Four is bananas, and they say that that's going to continue, which is super impressive. But obviously, the wording in their official announcement is the part that'll 
chill your blood, uh, where they say, <laughs> we'll be working with Epic to once again challenge expectations as we bring our unique brand of musical gaming experiences to the metaverse. Our team will work with Epic to create musical journeys and gameplay for Fortnite. I wish they just left... I mean, it's, it's good news for Fortnite, if we're going to be, like, optimistic. Okay, yeah. I, like, if they say, like... Hey, Harmonix released this new thing. It's, it's probably just going to be totally free. You can go check it out. And maybe it's a cool rhythm game within the world of Fortnite. I will 100% go check that out. Absolutely. But that's me, like, looking at the bright side. You know, that's me, like, looking for the, the positive. Yeah, if there's, like, a Harmonix-themed world or mode or something. Like, I just, I don't want the distinct vibe of Harmonix, which has been so strong for 20 years now, to just go away like i hope at some point they can still rise above the masses working on fortnite to say like harmonics's personality is alive everybody please look over here just something distinct you know instead of just add eh, the dances are better and now there's a rhythm mini game when you dance or something like that <laughs> the way i feel about it is like the drop mix fuser automatic remixing tech they've had it feels like the discovery of unlimited energy or something it's like this beautiful invention that this one company magically made work and there are so many other applications for it and i hope they manage to find those and like maybe fortnite gets that kind of tech out there and we start seeing different uses for it i hope that tech that they have blown out of the water survives yeah yeah and you're right we should focus more on the fact that a lot of these people still have jobs who knows well i think it's pretty safe to assume that it was a tough uh world out there for an indie studio like harmonics and they've been struggling and fuser wasn't maybe not the colossal hit that they were hoping for and stuff um so it's nice that it can carry on that they'll retain the developers they still have and stuff and maybe they could make a standalone project in the future maybe they could bring amplitude to pc to the epic game store (laughs) just something like that 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 feels cool um but it is like it's that weird trajectory for studios that are being purchased, like the long-standing indie studios, it seems like if you're an indie studio, a bigger indie studio, and you're working on a VR game in the last five years, there's a good sign you're about to be purchased or have been purchased. Think of like Ready at Dawn, like descending into the VR world, even like Insomniac, like everyone was just scrambling for any place where funding was. And it's like, hey, the VR world was that space for a while and Harmonix was pushing hard in that direction. Now it's like, okay, you can't survive out there. You got to get eaten by the bigger fish. Interesting. Yeah. They should have bought Beat Saber day one. They should have said that's us. Yeah. Wow. Harmonics or what? I mean, I, that is something yeah. that I thought about a lot. Well, I, I mean, the fact that I'm going to have to Google it here. What is Autica? Is that what it's called? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. The Harmonics VR game. Like, right. I found that game to be underwhelming and I like really, I go back to it every couple of months and be like, is there something here? Do I like this? I mm. really, I feel like I should like this, but I, it feels like when Beat Saber com- came out, it was like, the boat was missed. Like harmonic should have been sort of on on top of that, but I guess they they had a rock band VR, but it was really just kind of a port of rock band into VR. But yeah, and they had yeah, like I a like sing kinda, VR I feel game. Like they kind of missed the mark with VR. I, I Autica just did, did not do it for me. Yeah, and it's tough to say. Why didn't you create that one brilliant VR game, Beat Saber? It's like, yeah, you can't put that on them. But I, I hear you. That it, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not even saying they should have made Beat Saber. I'm just yeah. saying they should have been like they should have had a stronger stamp in VR before Beat Saber. Maybe sure. maybe it would have been Autica first, but it just it felt like they were late to what should have been their party. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, congratulations to Harmonix for still being around and good get Epic. 
You got us, you bastards. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Leo and Kyle, uh, do you all want to clap on out of here, even though we've enjoyed your company in such a huge way? Here we go, Kyle. Let's go, my friend. Hey, Odell Harmon Jr., welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Uh, hello. Welcome. Glad to be back. Yeah, yeah. I had to go back into the history book. So it was July 2020. It was the last episode of the main podcast you were on. You were, you were talking about Andy McNamara leaving Game Informer just for a nice timestamp of like what was going on in our world. Yeah, hey, hey now he's over to yay. Um, and then, not to be outdone, we also have Nicole Zavalich. Welcome back, Nicole. Hi, thank you for having me back. It's so <gasps> nice to be here. Yeah, absolutely. It feels wrong to talk about Pokemon without you. Without you just, both, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a different Pokemon shirt on earlier, and then I got too sweaty looking for my old DS, so I had to switch <laughs> to a new Pokemon shirt. So, like... That's the right level of commitment that we're looking for. And did you find the mm-hmm. DS? I did, of course, yes. Okay. It's charging. And it's like a... Is that like a custom-made Birdo sticker on it? It's like an I Am 8-Bit sticker pack from like 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Back when their main brand was Freaky Birdo stickers. But, oh, man, mm-hmm. they've come a long way. Uh, Nicole, uh, people that remember you from previous episode of the Min-Mac Show podcast or... Back in your uh, when you reigned over podcast land uh, with Weekend Confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, um, did some Game Pro, did some G Four, yeah, did some Shack News, uh, yeah. Yeah, what are you doing now? Um, you know, so last we chatted, I had gotten laid off, and um, turns out still don't have a job, <gasps> but I'm loving it. Um, I'm writing. I'm trying to break into TV writing, so I've written a pilot, and I'm working on my second pilot, mm. and. Um, I'm just trying to be creative, and I, I like binge TV shows like Law and Order and Lucifer and water paint, like watercolor. So like that's you're living the dream. What, yeah, what I'm am having, I doing? Yeah, what I'm having doing? a live laugh. What is it? Live laugh love. You're doing a live laugh love right <laughs> I'm now. I'm having that. You're live doing, laugh like, Lucifer. Love. There it is. It's <laughs> very impressive. Uh, mm-hmm. Odell, you have the Full Circle podcast still going strong despite your new job. Yes, yeah, still going strong. It's uh, it's on break for Thanksgiving week, also because I got a new job, so it's been on a two week break. But it'll be back next week for okay. those wondering. Still okay. there. Got the new job. I'm an account coordinator. So it was. Um, I thought to myself, I was like, you know, what if I tried to get in the industry through a non media route? Let's let's try that. And then it worked, and I was like, oh, okay, all, all right, yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> You're we're like, live. oh, I'm I'm good at this. This is a, this is a thing. Yeah. Were you always just like hesitant to like, ah, the PR angle? I don't know. I want to be on the other side of this thing. Yeah. I was always like, you know, I, I don't know if I could do that. You know, that's that's not my wheelhouse. Right. But then I got to a point. I was like, you know, there, there's 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 nothing wrong with taking an egg out of the basket where all your eggs are and being like, <laughs> maybe this basket. Right. May, maybe this one over here. That's right. What, what really happened was I was 30 and I was like, you know, I need like a a job like <laughs> a job that sounds like a job for a 30 year old i need dental care you know like yes. right. <laughs> now, there's dental care but have you ever tried um painting and watching lucifer adele oh um i i, I have not one okay. i can't draw to save my life all right but 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 i mean i i might watch lucifer okay it's good all right there we go most we're gonna ask for um okay we should dive into this Frickin' game. Uh, not to be confused. It's Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl, the the classic remake. I, I'm trying to remember, Nicole, like, where was your hype level at for, like, 
this remake in particular, this generation, where's where's it at on the love spectrum for you? Is that a thing? I'll say it is. Yeah, a hundred it is because like yellow is like where it began, so right. it was like the just the, the height of it. Correct. Um, when I was playing the remake of this, I was thinking to myself, oh, well, how old was I? Fourteen when I played this? I looked it up. No, I was eighteen, like about to graduate high school when right. <laughs> I played this game. Um, and I, I went back and I looked, and I, I, I'm 50 hours into it. I had eight Pokemon, I, I mean, eight badges. And that's kind of like the barest minimum I'll do for a Pokemon game. Um, Pokemon Shield and Sword, for example, I have 210 hours, and I beat all the DLC. Like, I rolled credits on the DLC. Jeez. Um, yeah, like all the, all the diglets. Uh-huh, you did it. All. You did it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I it just, it wasn't... It wasn't that high on my hype radar. I think it was just because I was graduating high school. Right. You know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, like, this was a weird generation where I beat it back in the day, but it was definitely one of those, like, okay, this will be, like, a novelty thing where I'll get it and I'll force my friend Ronnie to get it and we'll, like, battle each other a couple times. But it's, I don't know. Odell, maybe you have a better sense of, like, where Pearl and Diamond are for overall fandom. But for me, it was kind of just, like, uh, not the story highs of like black and white, which I understand a lot of people are very passionate about. Like, I don't know what the thing is that people celebrate about Pokemon Pearl. Cynthia. Just, just Cynthia. Mm-hmm. Cynthia. <laughs> okay. That, like what, what does Sinnoh do for us? They gave us the beast, the commander, the one who cannot be touched. Cynthia. At least <laughs> that's, that's what I always remember about Sinnoh. Uh, I feel Sinnoh came in a weird time where the Pokemon, like, it stopped being cool to like Pokemon around when Sinnoh came out. <laughs> so that's when it was bit. like, people liked Sinnoh, but you didn't say you liked Sinnoh because, you know, Pokemon hype started to dip a little bit. And, and the, you know, the major zeitgeist, if you loved it, you loved it, you know, you stay strong, kept my love genuine. Hey, no but, doubt. you know, that, that was the dip where, you know, it stopped being cool, black and white, which is which I think is highly underrated. You know, that's why I think black and white didn't do so well because it was part of that dip. And, you know, X and Y came out and it was like, oh, okay, 3D and stuff. They were trying. But now we're back at like the heights of like the original, just all across Pokemon fandom. So I was hyped for the remake because Sinnoh is probably my least favorite generation. Not because of like the lack of Pokemon love. Like, I just think it's the, mo- it's generation, the most unoriginal in Pokemon. They just went, who doesn't have an evolution? All right. And slapped the evolution on them. <laughs> But the remake it has been a lot better than my original run with the game. Oh, really? Yes. Why is that? Because I don't. I really the Chibi art style, Chibi. Chibi yeah, Chibi. Chibi. Yeah, the Chibi art style is like ten out of ten. Great. More games should do that. I love it. And just the quality of life changes that they added. Because, uh, like I said, when Sinnoh, when the fourth generation first came out, like Pokemon hit like a real stagnant turn. So, but now, like, this is the game I feel like it should have been because none of that stagnation is there because of the improvements. So, it's a much better experience. And like I said, its biggest gripe, my biggest gripe with the region was it's the region with the most unoriginal Pokemon. Yeah, what, is, for this, me. This is like the Bidoof generation, is that right? Mm-hmm, yes, this is the yeah. generation that gave us God Bidoof. Uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh. Yeah. And thank goodness, because Pokemon uh, as a company has really ran with Bidoof. Uh Good for them. The, yeah. the Bidoof PR campaign is is insane. Is insane. Like Pikachu who? I'm the entire Pokemon company is like Pikachu who? Yeah. No. You're gonna like Bidoof now, is literally what the Pokemon company said to me. Yeah. There's one in my party. Yeah. And I was like, okay, whatever you say. Nobody yeah. even it does it. rock smash and cut, so it's kind of vital for the beginning. Yeah, you gotta do yeah. it. 
but there were two points that you made that, um, that one I agreed with totally and one I was kind of like, ah. Um, one is <laughs> totally the upgraded um, life change, upgrade of life changes, yeah. things that they carried over from S.H.I.E.L.D., being able to access the box anywhere. Like, I, I, I acted it out. I don't know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, those kinds of things I so appreciate. But I didn't love the chibi art style. Oh, yeah? And then I, yeah, and I felt like... I felt like I probably would learn to like it had they committed to it. Because as soon as you go into a cutscene or a battle scene, it's the exact same animation from S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. and Let's Go Eevee. It's like a different, it's like a completely different art style. So it's like they didn't commit, I feel like. And I didn't like going back and forth. It is weird, right? It seems like they just want to it's keep jarring. the engine and kind of assets from Sword and S.H.I.E.L.D. And even like Let's Go also had a little bit of element of like, okay, this will look a little bit different here. Yeah, but it is weird. But I think like, I don't know, maybe Pokemon fans are just used to art styles being all over the place. Like, oh, in combat, it always looks a little bit different. And I think there is kind of, like, more of a nostalgic push for this chibi art style. Like, I'd rather have this, I think, that even, like, the Let's Go style, maybe, just because it kind of reminds me of what the games used to look like back in the day. But I'm very curious to see. Um, I, I held off on playing this remake. I haven't dove into it yet, because I think, uh, you know what, I'm I'm 34. I think I'm at that point where if I just start this remake of a Pokemon game by myself, I think it might be a little bit too boring. But, like, over the holidays, I'm going to be spending time with my nephews, and I'm like, oh. Like, being able to see this game through their eyes will absolutely be worth it. I don't want to have to play the beginning twice. I'm very excited to dive in just to see if they're passionate about it and what they think about the chibi art style. I think kids are probably fine with it, right? Have they played the um, either Let's Go Eevee or... Sword Shield? Uh, a little bit of Let's Go Eevee, but their parents are just cruel. My sister is a witch. No, she's fine. But they don't. They haven't bought any Nintendo systems for them, so they've mm-hmm. only played those games like a little bit over at my place every once in a while. And it's like I just—that's the same with my nephew. He's like super into Pokemon cards. Yeah, really likes Pokemon cards. Really likes the show. His parents have not do not want to give him any kind of like gaming system whatsoever. So it's like you're missing out on like. The meat that is Pokemon, like right. eating yeah. this kid lettuce. Yes. Like, yeah. Where do you think this stuff is coming from? Like, we're not excited about it because I Pokemon Go. We're excited because of the core RPG. Opinion, like, look at me. Look at me. My parents shoved a fucking GameCube in my hand when I was like six, and I'm okay. Yeah. Kind of. You're like for the, the most part. You're the healthiest person I know. I'm yeah. You're on top of it all. This will help. <laughs> you got a you know, I'm generally a peaceful person, but when someone goes Pokemon Go, they think that's like the first Pokemon video game. Like, I just lose it internally. Right. Like, I don't tell them off. Or educate them because I probably couldn't do that in a proper manner. But internally, I'm just like, I don't like you. It's the same <laughs> thing when someone goes, I like Pokemon. Oh, you like Pokemon? You heard me say Pokemon. Right. You have never heard the word Pokemon. You have <laughs> never heard no one say this. Why do you insist on saying this? Please stop. Is it kind of like Mario? Super Mario. Yeah, it's exactly the same vibe. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. okay so here's what I've heard about this remake. Um, uh, folks over at Game Informer, John Carson over there reviewed it. Uh, and he said something that made, also made my skin crawl, that there's experience here that you can't turn off for this remake, and that seems unforgivable. Like, why not give people the option of turning off experience share anymore? Especially since the option setting is so accessible and you can turn off other settings that you, I feel like, have never been able to customize, like turning off the ability to, like, default nickname or default send to the box. Oh, okay. Like, those type of features were just... And then, and I could be wrong. Those could be in past games, but it was just so easily accessible in the options menu. It just seems weird that they wouldn't have that one as well. Um, yeah. That being said, I had it, it doesn't make a big difference to me. I use it when I played Shield and Sword that way. Yeah. And 
some of the battles, the battles in this game feel the XP is distributed in a weird way. Cause like, you know, I'll, I'll do a battle with like four, a person with four Pokemon. The first three Pokemon are going to give me like 20 to 40 experience points. And then that last Pokemon gives me like 400 experience points. So I feel like the experience point distribution is a little weird, at least not what I'm used to. Huh? Yeah. And it's hmm. not just making it too much of a cakewalk for you though. Well, Sword and Shield got me used to like this is what we're doing going forward. Yeah. So any, all the gripes that I had with it are just kind of they're just kind of gone, and I've kind of accepted it helps me complete my Pokédex. Like, cool, I can throw somebody in the back end of my team, and they'll just quasi evolve at some point, and then I'll swap it out for someone else, and they'll quasi evolve at some point. <laughs> so that that's how I've made my peace with it. The mm-hmm. only time where it became a real issue is when I get to the post game and I got like start breeding and like EV training and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, all right, I need like half of y'all gone. Right. Like it, it changed up how I like you know do the advanced training stuff, but. I got over it. It was so it, it ultimately was one of those things like, no, I don't like this. Like auto saving. I turned it off instantly. I was like, God, why would you do this to me? Yeah. But I it on. I, you did. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but I uh, saved so much. Like I'm a saver. So it's for the best. I get it. See, see my thing is like, I'm going to battle a legendary, like accidentally kill it, auto save. And then, you know, that's it out the window. That's true. That is true. true. Yeah. Uh, Any other highlights from the game itself? Like this time around that really stands out for you folks? I like the Pokemon models. I think they look cool. Okay. You know, I'm not sure if they're reused models or not. I'm pretty sure someone might be like, these are reused. They look good to me. I like revisiting the underground area. I think that's kind of a fun feature that I'm starting to like remember liking. Um, Right. And the the big thing for me was that I was not expecting was that after I got my first badge, I was just walking around this flower field and this old couple handed me a Jirachi and a Mew um, out of of nowhere. And there was no fanfare. There was nothing. No one cares. I have a Mew. And like being a also 34 year old who's been playing Pokemon my whole life. Mew's a huge deal. Right. I paid $50 when I got Let's Go Eevee to get like a little Pokeball. You know, to like walk around with, of course, to get Mew, and so like it, it, it was really exciting to get Mew, but it also felt like, you kids, do you know what this means? That's so, absurd. That so there's a, really nothing to it. They just hand you a Mew. Just hand yeah, like an you. hour into the game, you have Mew yeah. and Jirachi. Level that's, ones. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good sign of like, you know, this is you have to. This have might be a baby played, game, everybody. <laughs> yeah, you have to have had Let's Go Eevee, Pikachu, or Pokemon Shield Sword to get those. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's something there, but still, that's that's too much. I don't know. Yeah, it's right. a big deal. Yeah, I know. It should be. It should be a special thing forever. They can't just keep throwing it away. Well, that's it. I mean, where do you think, uh, Odell, where does this rank for, like, the big list of Pokemon remakes? How's it looking you compared know, to everything honestly, else? honestly, at the top. What? Yeah, no, I'm serious because I've always, first of all, I need to say this. I am not a fan of Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. Sure. I'm not a fan of any Pokemon Go mechanics in the main game. But <laughs> All right, we got it. We got it. It sold billions of dollars, so I get it. <laughs> I, I get it. Whatever. Business moves. Uh-huh. But I've always been a fan. I've, I've, I've always stated that Pokemon remakes, <clears throat> going back to Fire Red, Leaf Green, uh, Soul, Silver, Heart, Gold, etc., have always felt like too much. It was like, ooh, I want to revisit this region. But now it's like, oh, here's like three items that didn't exist. Here's like another one-fifth of the map that was just never there. Here's like, you know, mega evolutions and this and that and all this from the um, the newer games. Yeah. And like, here's how you traverse the world. And it was like, okay, this is cool. I'm having fun. I mean, I love Pokemon, but I don't feel like I'm revisiting somewhere I used to know. I feel like I'm just somewhere totally new. 
that's like pretending to be something I knew. Whereas Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, feel like Hoenn is like this is the game. You know, yeah, there's some been some quality of life changes. There's the chibi style, but in its essence, this is still very much the game I played. Okay, and I feel like no other Pokemon remake really captured that feeling. Maybe Fire Red, Leaf Green, but the rest they they did so much extra and tried to incorporate so much new that it stopped feeling like the thing I wanted to experience. So you're you're on the uh, strict conservative end of the spectrum when it comes to Pokemon. Like you want as classic and as old and faithful as possible. Yeah, because I mean, I have all the new, like, I mean, right. you know, it's there, like I can access it. So yeah, I want the fresh coat of paint. I want, you know, the high fidelity graphics, you know, the, the quality of life changes, they make sense. But yeah, I don't need to be performing Z moves while I'm in Sinnoh. Like I'm, I'm cool. Right, know? right, right. I got sun and moon if I want to do that. Yeah. Well, hey, there it is, everybody. Nicole, any final thoughts on the big old remake of these things? Do you think you're going to see this one through? Um, you know, that's a great question. Um, you know, let's check in in six weeks uh-huh. and I'll either have just done the elite four and just been like clear my hands of it or right. I'll start to have uh, saving my money for a Pokemon home account, which is like another thing. Like, yeah. oh, another thing. Wh- where's the compatibility between shield sword and diamond pearl? Like that's such a bummer. Like it's not there. It's not there yet. There's no, well, a, it'll never be, but B it'll be a Pokemon home situation that will launch in 2022, I believe. Um, oh. So right now there's really just other than getting that Mew, which was, you know, fantastic. Right, um, right. There's really no compatibility between those, which is a huge bummer. Cause I loved, I love that world building compatibility crap. Yeah. Right. And especially if like, you know, I'm sure there's some changes under the hood, but especially if like the combat, already looks so similar it's like maybe in theory they would need to redo all the assets for this game if it's still just going to be that same old style of pokemon they're bringing into this thing and whatnot but yeah weird. i have one quick question for you yeah. guys if you had to let's say that there's someone who like a young person who has never played a pokemon would you start them off with shield sword diamond mm. pearl or let's go eb pikachu how old are we talking let's say 10 Ooh. I'd give him shield sword. I'd just be like, I know this is what you're expecting. I know this is what you probably, I think I'd give him what I think they would click with the fastest. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would just go straight to the newest one. Do you think, I I mean, would let's go be a better starting point though? Like they've, I worry it would confuse them. Yes. I was about to say that. And they'd be like, what do you mean? Like, this isn't what the baseline is. Right. Right. Yeah. I guess Sword and Shield. And then on some level, it kind of is the baseline because it's like a remake of like Yellow. So it's like it's like both is and not. Yeah, it's complicated. I feel yeah. like the Let's Go mechanics could confuse people, but that also could be the the gap that bridges people who play the mobile game. So yeah, I wonder. I would also say say Shield and Sword. Right. I'm going to go with Diamond and Pearl, honestly. Really? Okay. The new ones. Yeah. yeah. Just because um I've had I've had people I've experienced people playing Sword and Shield for the first time. And it's a lot to take in. And I feel like like it's a lot taken if you don't know if you literally don't know anything. Right, right. Versus I feel like Diamond and Pearl, it's still quote unquote the new game, but it's still so classic without being, you know, like cause a sword and shield, like there's so many, you know, there's the baseline stuff plus the new mechanics, plus just things I would take for granted because I know them. But like I had a friend, she played through it for the first time and she was just like I'm so confused. I, I don't know what does what. Yeah. There's like, cause you know, it really doesn't explain items and stuff like that, but diamond and pearl still explains like 
you give a Pokemon an item. This is what a berry does. <laughs> oh boy! It's, you know, it still has that, mm-hmm. These that are baseline, like you know, stepping stone thing. Right. Where Sword and Shield's like, bruh, you, you just got to know that stuff by now. And here's like, you know, Gigantamax. You need to learn that. And we assume, like, because people always say Pokemon holds your hand. And yes. I'm like, you only say that from a standpoint of already knowing that stuff. Because I've seen plenty of people know nothing and go in and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. That is true. Yeah, you think it's hand-holdy. But then, you know, Sarah and I played some Star Stable Online this oh week. Oh, my God. A game designed for eight-year-olds. Have you recovered from that? And Have you I would, recovered that? No, I haven't. I was Emotionally ge- and mentally from that? I was genuinely confused about what to do. And it's just a nice reminder that, like, yeah, even though it's some basic stuff for kids, if you're going into this thing you're not used to, you can still feel like a complete idiot in it. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a nice lesson for everybody. Uh Hey, Sarah, speaking of feeling like a complete yeah. idiot uh, when it comes yeah. to game universes, uh, this League of Legends nonsense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's absolute nonsense. It has been this world that I have been aware of. Have you of never on played League of Legends? No. Ever. No. Never have I ever played League of Legends. Okay. I think that's correct. I think I've it's played... kind of a miss there. Yeah, I think culturally I really blew it. I, I played, like, a couple rounds of Dota 2. And it doesn't count. Are you sure? Can it you check the count. fine print? It might count a little bit. That doesn't count. As someone who also played Dota, it does not count. Yeah. Okay. What was? What's your history with League here? I started League in the year of 2011. Uh huh. And it ruined. I allowed it to ruin my life for I want to say like four years. <laughs> wow. So this was like I was. This was like way back when like it was still kind of. It was like just jumping off and becoming a, like an esport. Right. Like, I, re- I remember the first like big tournament Riot did. It was outside and like nobody could see their screens because it was outside and it was just kind of a mess. But I am, I stopped after four years because I realized it was like ruining my life. Because you're just despite, getting too pissed about it and spending too much time with it. It's a toxic. Okay. Okay. I didn't like need that energy, especially in my like, you know, freshman, sophomore year of college. Yeah, that was rough. like energy that I didn't really want to invite into my life um and i you know i stay on top of it i've been like sort of like on the sidelines like most league of legends fans are you play it then you stop because you realize it's toxic and then you just kind of watch like you still kind of keep up to date with stuff um a lot of my job when i was working at my agency was esports so i still had to know what was going on in league of legends right so i I know what's going on and i'm just i just want to say thank you to Riot for allowing me to consume League of Legends in a way that doesn't make me play League of Legends. This is the thing. Okay, so <laughs> they have been pushing in a huge way. It seems like this last month has just mm-hmm. been this explosion of stuff where they've teased projects in the past. But first of all, they got Arcane on Netflix, which mm-hmm. is an animated show. Nicole, have you checked it out at all? I haven't, but Netflix keeps telling me it's number one. This is recommended, ninety nine percent match. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay, Netflix. And it's it, it seems like one of the greatest adaptation of games out there. I understand it's it's confusing. Mm-hmm. It's just like a couple of characters, Vi and Jinx. I think it's kind of their story. The sisters there. Is that right? Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's basically the story of like Piltover. So there's a lot of different worlds in Rune Terra, the League of Legends world, and this is specifically Piltover. Okay. Where it's like. You know, it's kind of like sort of more of like a class issue where like the people who live up on the surface, you would like it. It's like kind of like Final Fantasy VII. The people oh. who live on the surface are really rich and then there's people who live underneath and they're getting sick and they're poor and there's kind of like some class issues going on. But if you don't have to play League of Legends to watch Arcane, yeah. but you sort of like, you know, because League of Legends, like when they release a champion, they're like, here's a paragraph of lore. So people who play League of Legends don't even know 
the lore of League of Legends. So you kind of get like a feeling for the characters, but it's been really nice to see them a little bit more fleshed out in Arcane, especially like Jinx and Vi, Caitlyn, Jace, and they have a few Easter egg characters in there too, where you're like, you're like, I think I'm supposed to know who this is, but they right. haven't like dropped the bomb yet because maybe you don't know what their face looks like. Maybe they get in a horrible accident. So definitely right. check it out. Yeah, There's I'm, not too many episodes. There's like nine episodes. And people are gaga over it. Like it's sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for these episodes. I watched the mm-hmm. first half of the first episode, which I understand is uh, just a coward's way out here. But <laughs> the animation is mm-hmm. ridiculously good looking. It's 3D animation, but it looks like 2D. Like some of the backgrounds are 2D. It almost has like a uh, Spider-Verse vibe to some of it. It is bananas and it's this french studio called fortiche i think is how you pronounce their names Mm. uh it's unbelievable to look at like a lot of things in this episode just look up a trailer for arcane if you've never checked it out because it's amazing i feel like blizzard did such a a good job with their character vignettes that they did over the past like you know five six years and this is such a step that taking that direction, taking that idea and taking it such a big step forward in the next obvious progression. I wonder if Blizzard feels like they missed out. I mean, Blizzard has a ton of problems right now, but I feel like I wonder if they feel like they missed out on this kind of push because this kind of Netflix deal is huge. And now whatever, whatever comes next is going to be compared to this. Especially. Yeah. There's also the Dota uh, show on Netflix this year as well. And yeah, I think absolutely. And again, Blizzard is, has a lot of other issues, which we should mention. Uh, Riot has also had a history of being quite oh, yeah. mm-hmm. so please don't yeah. forget about that. Don't think this is isolated to just Activision Blizzard over there, everybody. Um, but this larger mm-hmm. push, so it's not only Arcane on Netflix, but then also mm-hmm. this really caught my eye. It's up my alley. Hextech Mayhem, which is a rhythm game from the BitDrip developers. Um, Sarah, I jumped in and played that, and I don't know who these characters are, but I enjoy those types of simple games. It's out on Switch and Steam. I mean, there's Heimerdinger, right? Like, if you if you had actually finished watching Arcane, you would know who the characters were. Oh, about. really? Okay. All right. I'll go back. Called out. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, did you did you enjoy Arcane that much, Sarah? Like, I really liked Arcane. I thought, like, the animation was great. The battles were great. The story was, like, pretty good. I never felt, like, bored watching it. Um, so yeah, I just thought, and it was like great that I can be like, it's kind of like that one meme of like Leonardo DiCaprio sitting on the couch, like pointing at the screen. Right, I'm like, right. oh, is that, is that Victor? That's what and you then, want. Um, I kept like, whenever I would see Vi or Caitlyn or anybody like fighting, I would just get like these war flashbacks to playing <laughs> League of Legends where like Vi would come out of the bush and just knock me on my ass and juggle me so i was like oh it's all coming back <laughs> those four years weren't for nothing yeah there we go primed you for this multimedia push mm-hmm. uh, they yeah, also- but i'm very much the target audience They're right like, you are riot trash and you're not gonna play league of legends anymore so consume our media through a different lens smart and i said yes Yes, Daddy Riot, I will. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then to bring it back to the Pokemon conversation, yeah. that's very similar to the situation with your, your niece or nephew where they weren't allowed to play Pokemon, but they're allowed to consume all mm-hmm. the other parts mm-hmm. of that medium. Um, so it's yeah. really interesting. They're, they're going after so many different demographics, and that will eventually probably Venn diagram in. But even if they don't, 
it's fine. Yeah, yeah. you're bought into the universe. Yeah, elaborate on that. Uh, it, it's always confused me because uh, so I might be confusing this with Dota characters or League of because I don't know what universe they belong sure. to. But I remember what which 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 universe are the ones with the music group, the female music group that has yeah, like KDA, music videos. That's Riot. Yeah, that's League of Okay, yeah, and I'm like, I remember watching that and was like, what? How did we get here? I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. How did we get here? You thought it was like, a mobile. You have like 200 heroes. Some are in a real life band. Some are like doing real. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's genius, I guess. You know, it's all making money. But, you know, it's like a it's like because Pokemon makes sense in the sense that like, oh, you know, that's Pokemon. You look at that. But some of these characters I can look at and would just have no idea what universe they're from. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's the League of Legends characters. I'm like, really? Well, I think that's like the challenge for Riot in this era is to try and like define what is the world look of League of Legends. How could we come up with that identifiable brand where you can jump to any of these games or any of the shows or the upcoming fighting game Project L is what it's called right now, which seems like it's kind of going for Marvel vs. Capcom vibes. Like, how do you unify this larger world and expand beyond it? But it's just interesting to like have them release now multiple games on Steam where League of Legends isn't on Steam. I think that's still just the standalone launcher but it's weird that if you search league of legends on steam now you'll find hextech mayhem or ruined king a Mm -hmm. league of legends story uh which is a turn-based rpg Mm -hmm. uh i think it might fall into that camp of like underappreciated stuff this year i think it had a i think so too oh good i'm glad you're with me it had a weird launch where it got out there nobody was given access to it as far as i know for like early reviews but then they've just been pushing a lot of ads everywhere. So it's a weird mm. fusion of like, it's, it's obnoxious. I don't know what actual outlets think of this yet. But Sarah, yeah, what did you think of, I also played like an hour of it. But what did you think about your brief yeah, window? Yeah, I was surprised. It's, it's, it's got like, it's polished. It's got a good story. It's got a very RPG story where you're, you're in Bilgewater, sort of like a piratey area. And there's this black mist coming and sort of like ruining, you know, killing, creating havoc. And we've got, like, three camps of characters. So if you've... The thing I like about Riot is that maybe you haven't played League of Legends since 2011, but they will still give you the characters from 2011. So we've got Misfortune, Gangplank. Like, if you played League of Legends back then, you'll know these names. Right. But then they introduce the newer characters, like the characters that where I kind of stopped playing. So you get, like, a nice mix where you will know somebody. But essentially what it is is it's, like... Three, three camps of characters, and they all kind of have their own agendas, but you can see that they're going to overlap at some point during the story, and they're all going to be, like, united against some greater evil. But I gotta say, when I first started the game, and I started, I you kind of see how your character moves? Yeah. I got, like, weird Divinity Original Sin 2 vibes right, from it. Right, Not as great, not as great, but that's the vibe that I got right away. Yeah, it's isometric. Which was very exciting. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels a little bit like an old CRPG or like, oh, like a Diablo here. But then you get into the actual game and it's like, oh no, it feels so like, like a lot of people are comparing it to Grandia if you played those mm. old games because it is turn-based as all hell. But the weird thing is that and this is a league thing, right, Sarah? There's like different lanes. Yeah, you lane. the lanes. Yeah, it's weird. So they turn the lanes yes. from the map into lanes <laughs> for yes. speed in the turn-based combat, which is a weird thing to explain. Literally, I was like, to the f***ing riot to put lanes in my turn-based RPG. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but you're just changing. Yeah. Like, okay, you want this to be a faster, quicker is it like, attack. 
Putting bumpers in a bowling alley, is this the same thing? Um, yeah, if the bumpers represent time and the speed of your attacks in a timeline of when everyone's making their moves. So it's all very natural, I think. That makes sense. <laughs> Hardly. Makes sense. Uh, but it, it seems it cool. sounds like Child of Light, if you actually Ooh, played it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yep. Um, it, uh, it's cool. It, uh, they also have the option for you to like, uh, speed up all of your turn-based combats. Like see the know exactly what's going to be annoying about some of that old JRPG formula stuff in there. But like, I thought the art is just incredible. And it's Joe Mad, who's the lead artist on Darksiders and has a big history with Battle Chasers and all that stuff. Um, and Airship Syndicate is the name of his studio. But like the art and the animations, I just think are incredible, and it it makes me like these characters, which I guess is mission accomplished for Riot. Mm-hmm. How far did you? So you got an hour in, so you got to like Illawi, right? Yeah, roughly. Probably. Honestly, yeah. Did you get to Brom? No. I love Brom. Okay. Anyways, are you like a big turn-based RPG person outside of Pokemon, Sarah? Like, is there any chance you I keep would playing say this? It's it's been a really long time since I played a turn-based RPG, but the way that they designed this one with like the various lanes. And sort of the buffs and debuffs that you have to kind of dance your characters in and out of, of yeah. the lane. Which I can only describe as sitting at the bottom of your screen like a video editing program. <laughs> right, like I right. literally, I don't know how to describe it, but <laughs> it made it a lot more interesting than just your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. Right, right. you can be like, my turn, it's my turn again. It's also my turn again, actually. Yes, yes, if you so play, it, right. play it right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's cool. So yeah, Ruined King is the name of that thing. I'm curious to see what the reviews are like. I mean, the Steam community's eating it up and it seems prime for one of those underappreciated games of the year but there it is the big league expansion everybody um dive in odell the water's fine become a league fan <laughs> i mean uh, you have time. yeah why not, I, man? I mean i played pokemon unite so i was like that was my first true moba Ooh, okay. now i don't play it no mm-hmm. more so I, I think i'm good now that right. was a good introduction to MOBAs. <laughs> yeah, that's I stand fair. by that. I kind of want to go back and play more of that too. But oh, hey, because no. uh, Pokemon Unite made me rage uncontrollably, and like you know, you know, Nintendo. Good job not having voice chat. I probably would have cussed out a little kid. Yeah, like yeah. With <laughs> that's no exactly remorse, why but, they don't want to have to police or like monitor all that voice chat with their with kids. Like they'll never have voice chat for that reason. Yeah. Every time some kid says that Pokemon Go is the first Pokemon game and you would attack them verbally <laughs> over voice chat. We know how it would go, Adele. Yeah, like, but it's just because I was born late. Like what? <laughs> late. Yeah, but if someone told me a League of Legends match go like forty minutes and I'm mm-hmm. like if I'm about to, you know, have a heart attack after 10, I, I mm-hmm. can do 40. Yep. All right. That seems about fair. Uh hey Sarah, do you know how this whole podcast exists and how this whole thing operates? Yes, it's because of patreon.com slash minmax show with two ends. Is this, this minmax? Plus minmax, you got it! it! I get confused because our Twitter handle has a show on it. I know, I really wish we could have minmax, but some schmuck is squatting on it. Let's Anyways, it. that's it. Patreon.com slash minmax, everybody. It's how this whole thing operates. And thanks to some of our biggest supporters. You know their names, but just in case you don't, it's people like Diverge Coffee. Diverge Coffee was started in 2020 by two friends, Brian and Nick. We're excited to be able to support MinMax, and if you enjoy high-quality coffee, consider supporting us back. Being the nerds that we are, we have meticulously created most or created roast profiles for each of our high-quality, ethically sourced coffee beans. Go to DivergeCoffee.com and browse our selection of blends and single-origin roasts. Once you find what you like, be sure to use the code MINMAX, two N's, at checkout to get 15% off of your order. Again, that's DivergeCoffee.com, discount code MINMAX for 15% off. 
We also have a Twitter giveaway coming up soon. We're going to give away some coffee from Diverge, so please check that out, everybody. Also, thanks to the fine folks at Fixture Gaming. They want everybody to know about the Fixture S1, which is a clip that you put on your Nintendo Switch Pro controller, then you can slide the screen on top of that so you can play on the go with the greatest Nintendo Switch controller. There's a link in the description if you want to check this out. It's $35. And... If you go check out a carousel on Instagram, there might be more options for winning a free custom MinMax Fixture S1. So please check us out on Instagram and you can win a Fixture S1 for free. And it's a custom MinMax edition. Also, these folks are so nice that we had a contest, a giveaway a while ago on Twitter where we asked for ideas for custom skins. And somebody suggested like, how about a Thanksgiving themed custom Fixture S1? And the Fixture Gaming folks uh, made it and shipped it out within, like, a couple of days. So this person now has a Thanksgiving-themed Switch case thing to play with. It's just incredible. Also, thank you to our friends at I Am 8-Bit. They want everybody to know about the soundtrack to Hyperlight Drifter, the vinyl soundtrack. You can pick it up in their online store. It is a four-vinyl box set with translucent colored vinyl, uh, deluxe custom packaging with magnetic wing flaps, everybody's favorite, music's by Disasterpiece. You can check it out in their wonderful online store. And as always, you can use a promo code to get 10% off everything under $100 in I Am 8-Bit's online store. The promo code for this month is Turkatron. Turkatron, everybody. One big word. You get 10% off everything in iMateBit's wonderful online store, and they're so generous and nice that they ship out a prize each and every week to the MinMax community. So this week, whoever has the best question submitted over on Patreon, the best question wins the Res Infinite Area X vinyl soundtrack. So look forward to that from iMateBit. Okay, so Odell, Nicole, your mission is to remember each and every one of these questions because whoever is the best one will win a great prize. So get the pen, write it on your hand, whatever you got to do, we got to make sure it's good. Okay, here we go. Mick Manga writes in and says, Hey, Twitter is a buzz with a supposed Chrono Cross remaster. It's perhaps my favorite game ever, and I don't know how to feel about a remake. Part of it is exciting, and part of me is like, please don't mess this up. So my question is, how do y'all feel about your favorite game getting remade? Just conceptually, I guess. I don't know if it's actually happened. It was called Chibi Robo Ziplash, and I'll uh, never ask for anything ever again. That's right. It's the monkey's paw. Oh, I, you want more no. Chibi Robo? How about no, like that's this? That's not what I wanted. <laughs> that's not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Who said they wanted to go first? Uh, yes, Nicole, please, please. 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 You may go. Um, um, so if you see behind me, um, those are Link and Dark Link. Um, I would say Ocarina of Time is a game that I've kind of been waiting for a proper remake of for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and I've played the 3DS version. I have the you know the Wii download Switch well, Wii version, and then like, I've seen the graphics of like the Switch version, and it looks like trash. Right. Um, just trash. So like that's a game that I very much want to remake for, but at the same time, if it went the route of Final Fantasy VII or something, I would freak out. And if it went the route of like Pokemon Platinum, where like maybe they went like a more chibi windmaker route i'd freak out so like i want it so much but also i feel like it's been so long and i feel like it's not i don't expect it anymore the idea of it not being exactly what's in my head is definitely going to be a rude awakening for me i cannot imagine i think honestly their best bet for ocarina if they want and who knows if they would do this because they're trying to push it on switch now with the virtual console and stuff or Nintendo switch online whatever it's called yeah but like couldn't they just take the assets from that 3ds one 
and just like up that. Just make like basically the 3DS version of Ocarina of Time, just the HD version of that. Because if they try and rebuild it from the ground up, no matter what, Nintendo fans are going to be lighting themselves on fire in front of their headquarters. Like there's no yeah. way it's going to go well. Just just yeah. go for some simple HD version of what they've done in the past. Uh, yeah, the, the Chrono Cross thing here from that Mick Manga mentions, I'm, I'm still a little skeptical about that whole thing. There are definitely rumblings. There's a rumbling that there's going to be some big PlayStation remake. And then this week people were connecting that and somebody was saying that that is actually a Chrono Cross thing and it's multi-platform. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll have more stuff to talk about next month on the podcast. Uh, Odell, I don't know. What do you think about your favorite game getting remade? So this this is a this is tricky because you want them to get it right. So in my opinion, the best remake is something like uh, Crash: The Insane Trilogy. Okay, you know it's super high res, it's modern graphics and stuff, but it's still very much the same game. And I feel like that's how a remake should be. You know, give me all the pretty bells and whistles, but let it, for lack of a better term, the same game. And you know, you don't want to risk it not being the same game. And then you have something like Resident Evil 2 Remake where it's not the same game, but it's better, which right. I feel like is, you know, like... Impossible. God has to ordain that himself for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's rare. So, that's very rare. You can't do so, it. Yeah. So it's like, I'm like, just be safe. Like, Wind Waker HD is the perfect example of that. Like, same game. Well, looks gorgeous. Qual- quality of life improvement. Right, you know? right. But I, I feel like, for the most part, of course, there's someone's going to be upset. There's always going to be someone upset. But that's that's what people want. And I just, it's like, yes, I want it, but do I want to run the risk of it being bad? It's interesting. I, I think, like, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I think critically, there is definitely more of a, a thumbs down into the idea of like just remaking the same game from the ground up. It seems like maybe for the review scores, they'd want that to be a little bit different with the remake. But I wonder if like a majority of the fan base is just like, be as literal as possible. Sarah, working in localization, I'm sure you get plenty of this. Just yeah, give us great. the literal translation. Mm-hmm, don't get that's fancy. That's exactly what you want. <laughs> yeah. You I know, mean, because I don't think anyone hated the Crash Insane Trilogy. I was like, yes, this is this is, this is is the, the same right. game I played. Right. Maybe a little bit easier, maybe harder. I don't know. 10-year-old me must have been a beast because I was dying like crazy, but I, yeah. I, I just, I'm an old man. I yeah, get Just it. give me what I want. Give me Mario 64 that, mm-hmm. that looks like Mario Galaxy. That's all I want. Right. That's simple, all I want. Simple formula. Uh, Purebred number six says, hey, Ben and friends. And friends has two ends in it. That's nice. Also, Ben has two friends in it. Thank you, Purebred. Uh, how do you pick your starter Pokemon? Is it based on looks or utility? Do you always choose the same type or change depending on which generation? Uh, I, I'm a weirdo. I always go for the underdog. I always go for like, which is going to be the least popular. And it's the way I play like life is strange or so tell the grass type. Yeah. How do you tell? How <laughs> I, does it by looks or like, well, let's see, like sword and shield. Everyone was, eh. actually sword and shield. I went Soblin. I was going to say, I guess that was the big one that everyone was talking about. So maybe that wasn't the underdog. I think, yeah, it just means normally not fire. I think like the weakest looking one is kind of the one I'll go for. I think is how it typically goes. I always go by cuteness. Solely yeah. cuteness. Okay. And um, to the point where when I play game, like, I give my Squirtles Everstones so that they're like Squirtles forever. <laughs> um, I love it. And then um, it, it sort of works out that I almost always get the water type because they're, I think, consistently the cutest. Hot take. Mmm, the cutest. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you ever yeah. let them evolve? Or like for your entire team, do you like just the starters if you can? I let them evolve, but like all 
I'll breed one that I really want, find a female, give it a good name, and then mm. breed that one up to like level 100. Okay. Okay. So it has to come yeah. from a good family and the whole thing. Yeah. 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 That's smart. That's smart. Get an education first. You get it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I normally go fire unless it gets stupid. For example, I'm all fire. And then I was like, I'm tired of this firefighting trope. So right. I'm going to deviate from it. I'm like, okay, Infernape, he was cool. I'm like, all right, now we got a firefighting pig. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a pig. We might embore yet. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we got to pass you up, and then, uh, so, but then I, I'm, I'm usually fired. And then the, la- the last time I skipped fire was Litton because I was like, okay, Nintendo, so you're not gonna make it firefighting, but you're gonna make it look like it's firefighting anyway no no right that's right stupid. yeah that, yeah i had to dumb. do a u-turn at litton too because i also <laughs> go based off cuteness and i was like a hundred percent all in on litton when they first announced and showed the starters i was like i'm all in my chips are all in it's litton or nobody and then they released the final evolution and i can turn that boat around so fast <laughs> you hear, like you could hear like the tires screeching on how quickly i was just like absolutely not so then I had to do um, Piplup because she was cute through every evolution. Primarina, I, I went with her too. She she mm-hmm. was good to go. Yeah, that was a poodle, like a poodle seal. She became like yeah. a mermaid at the very end, but yeah, she I was, loved it. She yeah, was like the circus performer, like a seal with the little bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> she had a unique type fire, a water fairy. So I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. cool. Yes. I'm all yeah. about yeah. that. As soon as fairy type was introduced, it's my party is like half fairy type. Like I have a Sylveon and I have a Galarian uh, Rapidash mm. in my party and I have a Mimikyu like as my mains. So like too many fairies. I need a steel type to balance it. Working on it. Yeah, yeah. You'll get there. Uh, Steister yeah. writes in over on Patreon and says, I'm a big League of Legends player so for me the Riot Forge announcement was at the same level as Nintendo Direct. Good God. Uh, <laughs> I was later surprised at how few of my friends even knew it had happened. Um, to be honest, I think the the name Riot Forge, like that whole thing, I missed that name. For me, it was like, I don't know, they just announced all this stuff, whatever. Um, but that's on me because I'm an idiot. Uh, my question to you all is, what's the video game series with the biggest following that you know nothing about or feel the most disconnected from? I mean, yeah, it's probably League for me. It's tough to compete. League, Destiny, I missed Ooh, the boat on and yeah. I feel really behind on. Um, and then I haven't played a first-person shooter probably in the last five or six years. Um, and so I definitely feel like I'm uh, removed from that world. Halo Infinite's not the worst starting point if you want to jump get, in. Get, get back in. I have try. an Xbox. Okay, get to it. <laughs> so, I don't know. I feel like I'm about to get, you know, attacked on the internet. But yep. any and everything from software. Ooh. Bloodborne, no thank you. Bowls, I, I mean, yeah, I guess... Elden Ring, like, I'm so happy people's heads explode every time the name is mentioned, but I'm just like, <laughs> all right, that co- cool, be- best game ever to, to game, y- y- yes. Look, it's going to be like the MOBA Excitement. thing. Like, you're going to need the Pokemon Souls-like game where you're going through Lucario or whatever. I don't know what the best Souls-like <laughs> character would be. Probably, what's the, what's the sword? Aegislash? <laughs> just like literally be him roaming around a castle, then that would completely bring you on board, Adele. May, may, maybe, I don't know. But but yeah, like for the past, what, two years, it felt like people have just been screaming Elden Ring at me. And every time the news is dropped, I'm just like, man, I don't care. You can't, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not wishing anything bad on it. You I'm can't, not, you can't uh, say I'm happy this. for the people who are happy, but 
the disconnect is so real. Like Odell, it'll be like Odell, don't listen. Wait. People listen to this podcast. Don't do this. <laughs> don't walk out on this limb. Just say it's cool and you respect Miyazaki, and we can all move on. Yeah, yes, yes, this was yes. all a bit. Classic Harmon. What you didn't know is. I, I was like holding back all of my tears from mentioning the Elden Ring about to come because I'm mm-hmm. so overjoyed. Like I weep. There it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smart. That's really You're smart. trying to temper expectations. You were burned by cyberpunk. Right, expectations. Right. That's what I'm worried about. People's expectations for this game are so high that like I know it's from software and they have that like that resume, but man, I hope people don't get disappointed. I think, yeah, there's something safer about this. The fact that it is, other than the open worldliness, it does feel a lot like Dark Souls and it's like, they don't have a big track record of failing, and it kind of seems like a nice natural progression. Where Cyberpunk, if you really went back and squinted at it, it's like changing camera perspective, changing worlds. Like this is a lot for this team. How to many bite platforms off. is this game on? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess Sarah, I guess I could have said Star Stable Online for this answer too, because mm-hmm. you threw some stats at me about how it's like the biggest game in the world, and we're all idiots for not paying attention yeah, to the make, horse game. Making forty-four million dollars a year. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's a good time. Uh, Matt Lynch writes in uh, and says, I've watched this kind of good three-part documentary about the meteoric rise and fall of clothing brand Von Dutch on Hulu this week. It got me wondering if any of the crew got into any, got into any embarrassing fashion fads over the years. Also, since this is a horse girl podcast, did Ed Hardy just straight up steal Lisa Frank's entire aesthetic? Oh, did he? He better not. No, no. no. I would say that Lisa Frank um, airs more into the world of comic sans and neon colors. Whereas Ed Hardy is more of a scripts font and more um, darker oranges, darker reds. Is that what it is? Color palette wise, I would say they're very different. Mm. What was the first question? (laughs) Oh, uh, embarrassing fashion fads. Oh, yeah. No, I have one. Um, So you know how the female character dresses in um, this game? She has on um, knee socks, a pair of pink Uggs, a little skirt, and a tank top. Like, why would you wear Uggs and a skirt? Hi, um, I grew up in Southern California in 2000s, and I wore that. I straight up wore Uggs and skirts, um, jean skirts, um, a big pair of Uggs, uh, a tank, maybe. Maybe like a little like a little camisole or something. But yeah, no, that's, did that's you, my life. Did you go to one of those wild schools where they're like all outside or whatever? That's most of the schools been in Southern California. Yeah. You're what? shocked. You'll be Absolutely. shocked. Every yeah, time I see a movie. Building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every time I see a movie where they're outside, I'm like, how, this is, has to be just I one I ate lunch freaking... outside on asphalt. What? Yeah. Oh, It was my not cool God. enough to get a table. Oh, come on. For us, Sarah, it was like the biggest deal in the world. It's like, okay, we're going outside for class, everybody. It was and just a highlight. My high school didn't have windows. <laughs> What? Yeah. High school? We can unpack this later, but... Yeah. (laughs) But the food was great. I was happy if I caught a glimpse of the sun, like someone opened the door and, like, it flows in. You're like, oh, is that vitamin D? Yeah. Here's a dumb question for you, Nicole. Um, Yeah. Like, I don't understand what life is like when you live someplace where your tan doesn't reset every year. You know what I mean? And if, like, you're going to school outside, is everyone just tan all the time? Yes. But also, we're very vain as a people in right. Los Angeles. And so sunscreen's very important. SPF 50 at all times. We start doing that very young. Wait, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you would have to put sunscreen on to go to school in California? Mm-hmm. I would, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, The sun I is a lot that. more intense in Los Angeles than it is in Minnesota. Yeah. So you do actually have to, like, take care more when you're outside. Yuck. 
Oh, that mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah. Well, good times. Then, you know, sock, best thing about grade school was like the farmer's tan for your socks and the polos. So I went to Catholic <laughs> school, so I wore uniforms. Um, and just uniform tans are just Ooh. unattractive. Yeah. Like right above the knee, like my, my thigh would be white. And then like my knee down had a little bit of tan. <laughs> That's you know, as a very melanated individual, I find it fascinating when people talk about tanning. I'm just like, that is so wild. Yeah. It's weird. It's so weird. And then it's also it's very dangerous. And so, again, SPF. <laughs> Lather up, everybody. Um, I don't think this counts as fashion. Like, I've never done anything remotely close to being fashionable in my life. But when I think of, like, embarrassing clothes and stuff in school, I only wore sweatpants to school until fifth grade. You do strike me as that child. Thank you. Yeah, it was like, they're just comfortable. Did you also have the Velcro shoes? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Past tense? <laughs> That's right. If I could get away with Velcro shoes, maybe I should try and bring them back in a big way. I don't know what these sneakerheads are into and stuff, but it's just like, jeans were like stiff and uncomfortable. It's like, whereas I could be just wearing sweatpants. Like, why wouldn't you be doing that every they day? They're the ones that cinched at your ankle? I'm sure they were. Yeah, okay, just yep. weird like stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I have the image. I see it. Yeah, and just to be cool, underneath that image, does it say uh, hippest guy in school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> okay. with your your like tall white socks. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. You yeah, got the lower it. third there does say hippest guy in school. Right, right. Yeah. And one time I remember my sweatpants somehow ripped. And I remember trying to get by the rest of the school day. I'd be like, I'm just going to sit the rest of the time. Look, I'm scooting around in my chair trying to make like a comedic bit. It didn't work. It was, it was a horrific day. Uh, hey, Andrew Molnar writes in and asks the hard-hitting question, why do so many people hate Sonic the Hedgehog? I've loved playing 2D Sonic growing up and I have nothing but fond memories. So what gives? This all is, right, this all is right, it. all right. So here's the skinny on this. Please. People hate Sonic the Hedgehog. They don't really hate Sonic the Hedgehog. They love Sonic the Hedgehog. They know how great Sonic can be. And yet, not Sonic's fault. Just people keep missing the bar with his greatness. And, 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 <laughs> and it's just frustrating time and time again to watch a character you know that you love and respect and knows deserves all the love and adoration and 10 out of 10 games constantly not get that. That's, it's, it, you know, it's like watching your child not live up to his potential. You don't hate your child. You, you, you hate the situation that your child is in. But you're, because Sonic, honestly, if you think about it, Sonic the brand, Sonic the character, is cool as hell. Like, everybody loves Sonic, you know? Like, I've met people that said they only love chili dogs because Sonic loves chili dogs. I'm not making this up. I have a Tostino's hat. Yeah, so it's like, do you hate Sonic? No, look look at that poster. No, I don't hate Sonic. I hate the situation Sonic finds himself in. And but I think you're here. Do. They, you're oh, here. <laughs> My opinion is that you don't hate Sonic. You just haven't found the Sonic that you like. <laughs> because Sonic personally is so inconsistent brand-wise. So right. in a way, this is Sega's fault. Every time they re-release a Sonic game, they like change his personality a little bit, depending on what's cool with the kids. So he has no consistent branding. Like Sometimes he's really into chili dogs. Sometimes he's kind of angsty for whatever reason. And then sometimes he's just like a complete... You know, he's yeah. Sometimes they're like, "Oh, he's just a hero. He's just great. He's all around amazing." Right, right, but right. The branding's just been really inconsistent for who is Sonic. I'm fascinated by the idea that Sonic's being done dirty all these years. He is. He is just the game. So you act like he's like a prisoner somewhere watching what's being done to his Justice image. Justice for Sonic. <laughs> yeah, he's just- I mean that's. 
that that's pretty much what's happening. Yeah, I just need you to accept that. I mean, you had Sonic Mania. I feel like Sonic fans after Sonic Mania, it's like you, you can't complain anymore. Like this miraculous thing happened. Maybe it didn't get enough love or attention, and maybe it's not what you wanted, Sarah. Because I understand it's two D, and you think two D games are bad or whatever. Mm-hmm. All right, Ben, follow me. Yeah. How do you have Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, which are still considered good games by most people today? Sure. They're iconic. I mean, Live and Learn, Living live on the Edge learn. of Tomorrow, yeah. City Escape. Okay. Follow me. I follow my rainbow because of that mm-hmm. game. Okay. To this day. Right, right, right. So I'm like, how do you get it right twice right out the gate and then proceed to never get it right again? That that that's sabotage if I've ever seen it. That's right. like Mario sixty four, good. Mario Galaxy, good. Sunshine, if you like that, that's cool too. And then all of the Mario games being bad, right. it's like nope, nope. Something messed. Someone messed up here. It's, it's I just don't know who yet. Paper I'll Mario find formula. Them. Yeah. All right, when we, we find oh. them, they will be held accountable for their actions and crimes against <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. There it is. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mike in the chat watching us live says, I'm ready to go to war for Odell after that speech. <laughs> so congratulations, <laughs> uh, Hunter S. Sachs writes in and says, hey, since we have a resident horse girl now, uh, sorry, just so Adele and Nicole know. We've been I'm not a horse girl. We've been very into horses Stop recently here. Stop spreading this slander. Minmax is nothing but homes and horses now, and I guess that's fine. Um, anyways, hey, since we have a resident horse girl now, maybe we can figure this out. We whistle for so many horses in video games. Mm-hmm. However, Wander yells, Agro! What other game characters call their horses by name and abandon the whistle? Uh, <laughs> what is that sound, Nickel? That scared the... Cr- is there someone drilling through your door? There's, there's someone drilling. Yeah, there's some, I, hear, I hear drilling. Right. I just hear it. Well, so, I don't know. Do you want to mute me? Maybe until the drilling stops, unless you have hot yeah. horse takes. Do you want to? This mute? is the Los Angeles experience right here. God, this sounds mm, yeah, great. Never yeah. a quiet day. Okay, mm-hmm. always bon- a condo. It could be better. Do you just want to mute yourself so I'm not cutting you off if you're desperate to talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was. <laughs> thank you, Nicole. Uh, I was debating. Like, I think. Wander might whistle in Shadow of the Colossus too. I think he does both, right? I thought he called his horse. He does. He I yells aggro. Aggro is close distance? enough. He whistles. Or is mm. it too far? Then he whistles. One of the two. I think I, I feel like I can hear a pitch of a whistle, but I'm trying to think of other examples where the character calls the horse instead of whistling. In Ocarina of Time, you don't call Apana by Apana, but you do play Apana's song, which mm. is mm-hmm. I think a very unique way of calling a calling a horse yeah that is true that's the ultimate whistle yeah that's true through an ocarina um by the way sarah how should yeah. we be pronouncing epona with, with your japanese knowledge do you have any hints of what's going on here because i think hey, we made Let fun of dan Riker. we made fun of dan Riker I say for a while Epona. i've always said epona. Then, in japanese it'd be ep- epona 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 epona, epona. Yeah. epona. epona but this is what I had to do for Pokemon Arceus, too, because everyone was saying it's like a hard C, but I looked it up in Japanese and it's Arceus, Arceus okay. or something. So you can fight over that Dr. all you Sayus, want. Dr. Okay. Sayus, that would be fun. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, you can sing, but can you dance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. I think about that stupid joke every other week. Uh, From chimpanzee to chimpanzee? The, no, not that one. It's the one where <laughs> his agent calls him up and offers him. He's like, have you ever heard of the planet of the apes? And Trevor Clearer goes, uh, the movie or the planet? <laughs> All right, that's it. Okay, hey, Grizzled Gaming writes in and asks, uh, hey, gang, what foods should be banned from the Thanksgiving dinner table? Coleslaw. Smart. I'm sorry. Smart. It's gone. Yeah. It doesn't mix well with anything. Yeah, no. It's, I, 
I'm not saying I'll get up and like leave your Thanksgiving like gathering, but if I was at a Friendsgiving and someone brought coleslaw, I would be like, my dirty rice is going back home with me because of this. Right, right. You should remove one good piece of food just to punish that person. Yeah, I'm totally with you. That's just the answer, correct? Uh, yeah. Kate Mead says, hey, happy holidays, everybody. Do you feel like you enjoy the holiday season more in cold and or snowy weather or does it make no difference? For what it's worth, I like the coziness of the cold and a dusting of snow. I'm totally with you, Cade. So, Nicole, snow, um, it's kind of like rain that stays. I don't What's know. rain? <laughs> okay. It's that thing like that happens like one Southern week. California. Yeah, that thing that happens one week a year in Southern California and it shuts down all the traffic lights. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. No, but real talk, um, when I would go into the office I, and I would see, check the weather and I would see that a big rain day was coming, I would, I would be like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to be driving that day. I, I just... I can't. She's right, though. It's dangerous to drive in Los Angeles at any time during rain because people don't take care of their cars similarly. So, like, their tires are all Mm -hmm. worn down. They probably... Do they even have... Like, are their wipers working or are they roasted from being in the sun all day? It's genuinely very dangerous to drive in Los Angeles when it rains. No. It's not... You know, it is. It's like, you gotta pray. You gotta cross yourself and get your car. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, boy. but uh, to answer, um, oh, it's yeah. currently like seventy-five, um, and I'm wearing sweatpants and socks, and so oh, this is kind of chilly for me. You monster! I know I and am. <laughs> Odell, I wanted to make fun of you because you're in Texas still, right? Yeah, so it, it's funny because most of my Christmases and Thanksgivings are usually like eighty degrees, maybe in a freak accident of a ninety one year. But then you know I had an internship at a little old place called Game Informer during the oh, fall right. one year, and Ooh. I moved to Minneapolis. You know, in September, when I got to see fall, traditional fall, you know, the magical rainbows of colors. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to be down here. You know, you know, I'm having a white Christmas and all that stuff. And then I almost nearly died like a dozen times. So I from like, trying to walking, drive in- hazardous driving. <laughs> dear God, thank, thank you. Like, like, I'm not going to lie. You know, that song that Jesus take the wheel <laughs> zero cents until I lived in Minneapolis. I was like, oh, my God. Yes, I get it. I get it. I get it. That's the problem. After, like, You're supposed to be driving, not letting Jesus take the wheel in the middle of a blizzard in town. You can't do if it. If Jesus takes the wheel, can you take the carpooling? Yeah, I believe that's the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, so this my thing is, Snow is like a very attractive, toxic person. Pretty to look at, hmm. but in practice, you shouldn't be fooling with at all. Right. Cold on the inside. Yeah, but it's 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 really good to look at. Like there was snowing. It, it snowed a little bit a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was like a week ago or something. Sarah, I don't know if you had that same yeah, vibe, but it's just like I was raking leaves when that hit. Oh, that's a good. I was combo. cursing at the sky. <laughs> it just it makes everything better. And the subtle thing that mm-hmm. you wonderful people in the south may not realize is like how the snow changes the acoustics. Like mm-hmm. huh. the world sounds different when it snows and it's such a cool, cozier, like deadening the sound vibe out there. It's mm-hmm. it's just lovely. And now if it hasn't snowed by Christmas, which has happened a couple times in the last couple of years, I just hate it in Minnesota. It's mm-hmm. miserable. It's cold. If it's going to be cold, it better be cold with snow. Yes, exactly. Is usually what I say. Yep. Then you can go sledding. I can I can rock with that because if y'all remember, Texas had an ice storm. Yeah, exactly. Earlier this year. And it was super cold and we didn't have electricity or power and it wasn't like snow so it looked like regular oh hot outside but you know with everything broken so i get that i get that it Uh, was bad time yeah i bet Uh, sean mason writes in uh, and says hey clcs uh unfortunately on wednesday i fell victim to a thief 
My Roxas statue that is proudly displayed on my desk was swiped during second period. This is one of my favorite things displayed in my classroom, and now it's personal. A few of us teachers have decided from a special to form a special task force to catch this person, and I'm determined to get my statue back. Was it a devious lick? Excuse me, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? So for those of you who aren't like um hip with the kids and the tick the TikToks. Mm-mm. Like two months ago, there was this really bad trend of kids stealing things from their teachers or stealing things from school and trying to see what the craziest thing they could steal was. And they were calling it devious licks. And it it escalated so much. Kids were stealing toilets off the walls. Toilets? And they were like banned from going to the bathroom. And it became a whole thing where like they couldn't go to the no one could go into the bathroom anymore because they were like destroying school property and like teachers were getting stuff stolen. That sucks. That's amazing. Just amazing. Like a TikTok trend somehow escalates to children being unable to use the restroom. Yeah. And that's that's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's special. It sounds so dumb, but it's like I I have faith in the younger generation for coming up with devious licks, which is the funniest thing that you can call it when you steal a bunch of stupid stuff from the school. I just picture like a ghastly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my question is, what is an important, meaningful item that's been stolen from you? And did you ever get it back? If so, how? I don't know if y'all had that. Uh, also, being here in the South, we don't go outside one because like 102 degrees. So F that. Uh-huh. But, I see. I see. Yeah. But it. so did y'all have those things like around Christmas time? Like you had like pajama parties and you could like bring your games or like stuff from home. And, you know, it was fun. I don't like where this is going. Sleepovers? Not, not, it's not like a sleepover, but it's like like you will watch like, you know, the Polar Express and just have fun stuff. It, the, the point is, <laughs> what? it was a fifth grade. We were allowed to bring stuff from home. So this was like Game Boy Color era. So everyone had oh, like, like into Game school. Boy Color. Yeah, into school yeah. and stuff. And you got to wear your pajamas and like put a bunch of pillows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, you, you know what's up. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 this episode, we're, we're here. We're here. <laughs> so um, everyone had gold and silver this particular season we're all playing it and somehow some some kid went went like i'm taking it all and so like every other copy of pokemon was gone minus like two of them and the teacher was like well i I don't know the two that remain i don't know who they belong to and i was like we name our trainers duh just turn on the game (laughs) like you know like no one thought of that all the kids were like oh yeah 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 so me and another kid those the two games that were left was our copies, oh. but I just remember every other kid being so devastated, oh. and I was just like, "Thank God, I still have mine," because I was like, similar to them, I don't know what I would have done. Like, yeah, I would have gotten parents involved. I would have oh, gotten yeah. like maybe law enforcement involved. Like that's crazy. I mean, just kidding, obviously. But like, I'd be so sad if someone took like my Pokemon Yellow or something back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. that like heartbreaking. Like, having something stolen as a kid. Like, it really destroys a piece of you knowing that you can lose something so easily. This happened to me as well. Um, I was at the ice rink because I used to be in figure skating, but then I broke my arm. So I would play my Game Boy Advance while my sister did figure skating. That's much more fun. On the bench outside. Yeah, it was actually a lot more. My mom was like, you can still skate with a broken arm. And I was like, no, 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 I'll play my Game Boy Advance. (laughs) And it was specifically the pink clear one. Okay. Which I haven't seen since. And my mom called me and I put it down on the bench. And I ran over to her, and when I went back, it was gone. Oh. And we never saw it again. And that, then whenever I saw some other kid with, like, a pink Game Boy Advance, I would just, like, 
want to snatch it. I'd be like, this is actually, are you this actually yours? Or is this my pink Game Boy Advance? Let me check the Pokemon names. <laughs> what game was in it? I think it was one of the Super Mario Brothers. Like the one of the Super Mario games was with it too. But it was like, the, it was the Game Boy Advance and then the games that I had with it. Yeah. Um, and it sound those wonderful sounds are there Nicole. There it is. Is that mine? Is that mine? It's not. But <laughs> prove it, you coward. You don't and see I also, the pink ones. I also got the pink, the pink game by color. Oh, excellent. Mm-hmm. Are you? Have you two ever had a DNA test to find out if you're sisters? It couldn't <laughs> hurt, honestly. At this point, why not? Man, uh, when is Nintendo going to bring back Atomic Purple? That's the real question. That yeah. is the call. Yeah, Spice mm-hmm. Orange, the good Nintendo colors. Uh, I just want them to bring back that clear thing that they had going on where you could kind of see into it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's my favorite N64 like mm-hmm. style. I still have my jungle green N64. It kind of, I mean, the, the Switch Pro controller is kind of inching in that way. You can see some things through there, but you want it to be like, I want it to be like a trip to the science fair when I look at that freaky thing. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I, that doesn't make sense. Lewis K. writes and says, hey team, realistically, how long do you think you'll be playing games? I'm thinking so about the, the curtain. I die. Yeah, you'll catch me in the retirement home playing my video games. Absolutely. I love that you guys are all so confident because I feel, I don't feel not that way. Right. I just, I do think about that a lot because I feel like I'm in a nice place right now where games are still kind of being made for me, mm. but I don't know. I've changed so much over the past 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. I do wonder what version of like 50 year old me looks like playing games and like do the type of games I enjoy change. Um, yeah, it's something I think about a lot. I think it's going to be really tough. Like when you get that old and we're all in the old folks home living together, I hope we're all going to end up in the same spot. Like just finding Let's make plans now. Let's make plans now. <laughs> it's going to be tough to get like rock band instruments and stuff that are still functioning. Like to have a good time with I games. I think I'm going to do VR when yeah. I'm old and live the life of a young person. That, well, hopefully we'll all... On my all... omnidirectional pad with my little <laughs> bones, probably yeah. wrapped in foam so I don't hurt myself. Yeah. I just think the text... I'm hoping exoskeleton is where we go. Mm. Smart. Yeah. Smart. But I think the text going to be really hard to get up and running compared to, just imagine, old folks' homes for us, it's going to be like tabletop city. Everybody what are you talking about? They loved Wii Bowling. Yeah, exactly. We'll probably still be hit. playing. We'll be playing Wii Bowling. I think. <laughs> like it just will still stay there at that CRT TV. I guess you know what? If they have those TVs, maybe we could still get something old rolling. But I just think it's going to be like a tabletop haven. Like people are so into tabletop games in this era. Like when we're old, we're going to be playing Code Names and Betrayal and all this fun stuff. Like this, the tabletop collections for old folks' homes in the future are going to be sick. That's all I'm confident hey. about. Hey, I mean, you can, you can have your Mario parties. There you go. Whatever the newest Mario party is. That's right. Superstars. <laughs> yeah, we're the ultimate superstars. Dying people. Yeah. You know, Mario <laughs> Party 20, Mario party. 30, whatever, whatever it's called. We'll still be pay- playing Mario Kart 8 at that point, I think. Mm-hmm. So we'll yep. just boot that up. <laughs> I didn't know there were see, any other options. See, that's the best thing about Pokemon. I, I can still be beasting people as an old man. I'm like, Psh, back in my day. So, I'm going to be the back-in-my-day old guy. Oh, you already are the back-in-my-day guy. Yeah. So I can't even imagine how it's going to evolve. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, no. When, you know, when a kid tells me, like, my first game experience was insert game that was on the PS3, I'm just like, bruh, what? See, you're shaming too much. You got to relax. Just you got to welcome I know, everybody. I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm the old guy. I'm just like, you're already there. you know, back, back in my day, you couldn't save a game. Right, and, and that was better. It's unclear. Uh, hey, what do y'all like for uh, what do you like for question of the week? What stands out, uh, Nicole? 
I like the the question about fashion. Mm. Uh, the person watched the Von Dutch documentary and asked about some of our bad fashion choices. That is good. That is good. Odell, are you leaning in a certain direction? I like the question about Sonic because it, yep. it, it just spoke to my soul. I get I, it. I had to get that out. Okay, Sarah, you want to? I'm also backing the Sonic question. Ooh, stabbing Nicole in the back. Oh, my yeah, God. I feel it. I feel it. All right. There it is, Andrew Molnar. Congratulations. You won Question of the Week. I'm 8-Bit. We'll ship out that vinyl soundtrack for Res Infinite's Area X just for you. Uh, and now it's time for something that we like to call Get a Load of This. There's a jingle playing right now that you can't hear. It was really good. It was really good. I've never heard the jingle, by the way. You don't listen to the podcast? I want it! (laughs) I am the podcast. (laughs) I know, it. Uh, Okay, I don't know if you all saw that Discord message. Uh, Did you all see that about finding something to to share? Some tidbit or something? Okay, great. Uh, Odell, kick it off, man. What do you got? Cool. I got... I got refreshed. That's what I got. Mm -hmm. But... Um, there Want was, me to go? I know. I got. There is a new electric car that has broken the speed barrier for fastest electric car. It did it like yesterday. It went up to like 368 miles an hour with no gas. Woo. Wait, what was the speed? Like 368 miles per hour. Jesus Christ. What was the, who made it? It was made by, hold on. Sonic. <laughs> Sonic car. <laughs> Before you transform, it was made by a team of daredevils. What was their name? Team. Oh, excuse me. It was 353 miles per hour. Made by Team Vesco, which Mm. used a whole bunch of car terms and engines made by Elon Musk. I guess I don't know that guy. That guy. Tesla engines. Yeah, they use new Tesla experimental engines made by Team Vesco to put this electric car up to 353 miles per hour, setting the new world record. New world record for fastest electric car on the planet. Cool. There's links below it for all this It's called stuff. the Little Giant. That's cute. Love it. Uh, let's see. Uh, hey, everybody, get a load of this. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but last week, uh, Tim Schaefer tweeted out without any context. He just said, told you that guy was a prick. Uh, and everybody picked up on this like, oh, finally, he's talking about Bobby Kotick and their... Uh, issues in the past uh, over the development of Brutal Legend and all this stuff uh, and those old debates being drugged back out um, and then about an hour later Tim Schafer, uh God Among Men deleted his tweet which was sad <laughs> so I don't know if he had a change of heart or he just didn't like the coverage he was getting but yeah, maybe was, his lawyer had a change of heart that's right but it's <laughs> nice to see this now Microsoft employee just squeezing out their reminder that hey told you this guy was a prick it's nice to see uh, Nicole you got something? Yeah. Um, do I say something to intro it? Oh, yeah. You have to say, get a load of this. Like, it's the most interesting thing right. in the world. Get a load of this. <laughs> um, so I just found out that cassowaries, which are well, one of the biggest flightless birds that we have alive, um, are thought to be um, the first bird that we ever domesticated. And Ooh. so this would be thousands of years before we domesticated what we know now as the chicken. And so we found this out because of uh, East New Guinea, we found a ton of eggshells that were from the cassowary. And the eggshells were both cooked and um, and hatched from full gestation. So meaning that these birds that are very huge, very powerful, um, are the deadliest birds, I think, alive right now. They imprint on humans when they're born. So people like thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago figured this out and raised them to be for their meat, for their eggs, 
for maybe the domestication as like, I don't know, pets. I love it. But like, isn't that crazy? Like, you would think it's the chicken, but actually right. it's this giant flightless blue bird that like sounds like a dinosaur. There's one at the LA Zoo and like I go see it every time. <laughs> it's weird that we would get away from that. Like you think we'd want to stay on the train where the eggs are the size of your head or whatever. Right. I mean, they're also how they have, they did just, they killed someone a few years ago, oh. like his owner. They just sat on him. What? Um, what? Yeah. And they have like claws on each foot like this. Oh, raptor claws? That's badass. They, they for sure were dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. For sure. All right. Well, I That's new, excited because they were dinosaurs. Yeah, I have a new pet goal. Yeah, I think I'll need that. Uh, Sarah, you got something? Yeah, get a load of this exclusive Sonic watch that I own. It's a Sonic the Hedgehog watch that is like a ripoff of an Apple watch that I got off of Amazon for like $25. <laughs> and if you can, I'm like showing it off, but it's got games on it. Oh. That's an it's got a camera. It's got a pedometer. I can take videos with it. The games are um, this weird fighter pilot game where I shoot bullets. Uh, a ripoff of, of it's got memory. It's got some we traffic games. Which is no like Sega games on there. No, there's no Sonic games oh on this my whatsoever. God. <laughs> I think this one I used to tap the numbers in order. Um, so <laughs> I think this is the best purchase that I've ever made in my life. It's got a calculator. It's got a timer, and I can pick from various Sonic the Hedgehog backgrounds. Smart. So you don't need anything else. You just need the Sonic watch. That's beautiful. Hey, could you let me know what time it is? It is. Let me see. Sonic says it is 314. <laughs> Love it. My gosh. Sonic is right again. <laughs> As always. Uh, hey, get a load of this from the community. There's a Discord channel where people share all their get loads of this is. Uh, Grizzled Gaming posted this article from Games Radar where reportedly there is a Mass Effect TV series that is close to being greenlit over uh, with Amazon. Uh, it's always scary. Things fall apart all the time in Hollywood. So the idea of like this report about things are close to happening, maybe. Like, Nicole, you understand this Hollywood whiz-bam world. Like, what are the odds that we actually see this happening? I mean, if we're hearing the rumor right now, it means someone probably wants you to hear the rumor right now. Right. Um, and... You know, I think that I think Amazon already has the expanse as something that they have on their program on their in their slate. Mm -hmm. And that show is very much sci fi recruited team go on these missions kind of has a Mass Effect 2 plot vibe. Right. So like, I mean, if they have the numbers showing <clears throat> that they can have an audience for that and they're going to bring in, a, a imagine, a, a broader nerdy audience with Lord of the Rings, it makes sense to bring that audience in, too. Yeah. <clears throat> but. Stop it, because I just read that Bioware lost their creative director for Dragon Age, and it's yeah. like, it's like I, I, a Mass Effect show sounds great, I love the idea of it, but I just really want Dragon Age. I want, I want Bioware that was run by doctors back. I want Bioware MD back. It's like, how many times can we be punched in the gut with big Bioware talent leaving studio? It's just been it's continuous. Yeah. And, and it's tough to have faith. I mean, they always do the messaging of like, but Dragon Age is in good hands. It's like, yeah, we heard that when Mark Dara left. We heard that when Mike Laidlaw left. We heard that when Casey Hudson left. We just keep hearing Casey that Hudson same Casey Hudson came report. back, right? Right, right. Then he came back, and then he left again. It is bizarre. The CEO left a while ago, and now he's working with Casey Hudson again. It's just, we're all rooting for you. And they had a good year. Yeah. People really enjoyed going back to Mass Effect. Like, it seemed like people didn't lose their minds, and maybe the Mass Effect 3 ending debate has cooled down a little bit, but then this news is just reminding you of exactly what Bioware has been like over the last couple of years. It's like, ah, oh, come on, everybody. We're yeah. rooting for you. I wonder you. what that company 
what it was versus what now it is with EA's involvement. Um, right, it's, a, right. it's a big change. It's a big change. Yep. All right, Ben, I got to bring up something to your attention. <laughs> you, 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 you know that little Bioware rant you just went on, sure, right? About sure. how it, it potentially messes up things and how it matters. When I said Sonic was getting sabotaged, you were All like, right. that's crazy. But based off your rant, you know what Bioware also made? Sonic Chronicles that is Dark true. Brotherhood. That is true. Which was garbage. How so, dare you? So... so so, so I, I, I mean, the proof is in the, the pudding, as they say. Yeah. Did you actually play that game, Fidel? Oh, yeah, I did. I, uh, I definitely did. I was so hyped for that game. Like, just just hyped for no reason. Maybe, maybe it was just my youth. I don't know. But I remember playing and I was like, what, what is this? It, it, you should have been hyped. Like, that pitch is exciting. Yeah, we actually had um, the producer on for an interview, Mark Darrow, a while ago talking about the game. But, Sarah, have you ever heard this or seen this? Is that the one where he kisses a human woman? No, is that's that Sonic 2006. Oh, that's Sonic 06. Yeah, come that's on, fine. Sonic fan. Get this your is, this human is the RPG oh, for the DS. You have to, like, draw to do your attacks. And, oh. right, right, right. and this is my favorite thing about this game, uh, this DS RPG, is we all know Green Hill Zone, one of the greatest songs in the history of video game music. This is... Green Hill Zone's music from Sonic Chronicles of Dark Brotherhood. Just wait for wait for it to really drop. The finest Green Hill Zone music there is. Thank you, Bioware, for all your hard work throughout the years. Uh, hey, it's things- like a preschool on a recorder. Yeah, it's in that leak. Uh, <laughs> Nicole, what would you like to plug? Thank you for being here. Um, I just want to plug you guys. Thank Stop you for it. having Stop me. It. And you know, check out everything you guys are doing. Stop like and subscribe it. to the Patreon. And um, um, keep playing Pokemon. Do what you love. <laughs> Nicole, you're like. Come on, your Twitter account or something, Nicole. At Nicole Z. N-I-K-O-L-E-Z. There it is. Sweet. Odell, what would you like to plug, sir? Um, so uh, you can follow me at Odell Harmon Jr. on all your favorite social media, mainly Twitter. Don't add me on Facebook because I will not add you back, but okay. thank you anyway. Okay. Uh, Full Circle Podcast. You know, every week. Good stuff. And, you know, just follow my Twitter to keep up with what, what my doings, my work, and all that out there, you know. Play Pokemon, play what you love. I'll, I'll plug that again. <laughs> there we go. Like it. Sarah, what do you got going on? You can find me at SarahPods on Twitter and Twitch. Um, play more Sonic games. Right. Absolutely. Even if they're not good. Absolutely. Everybody. You still have to play them. Yep. Remember that for new show plus. Eat, next pray week, Sonic. Yep, yep. There it is. Uh, well, hey, we have uh, a lot going on. We have today, if you're watching this, um, you're not listening early, which you can if you're a Patreon supporter, um, but we have a video up, which is a tradition we've done for six years now, which is on Thanksgiving, we share 100 things that we're thankful for about gaming this year, which is really just 100 jokes. Um, and technically this year, it's like 150 jokes that we wrote and read off. So you can check that out uh, on our YouTube channel. It's a very fun time. It's Leo Vader, Jeff Cork, Jeff Marquefava. And then we also collected jokes from the community. Um, and then it's also available as a podcast in the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. We'd appreciate it if you unlocked it because that'd be a nice way to support us. Hopefully you enjoy that. Um, we also have the grand return for the next uh, three weeks here of House Hunter Rise, 
our show where we explore Zillow listings. Uh, it came back this week. That is on YouTube for everybody bugging us for so long to bring that show back. It is back, thanks to your support on Patreon. So we hope you enjoy the first episode. And Sarah, I would love to have you on a future episode. I think it is oh, very sure. up your alley. Okay, perfect. Let's line that up. Let's do <laughs> it. something on my calendar. There it is. Uh, then also, let's see, MinMax Council, our Patreon-exclusive podcast on Monday. We not only talk about the future of MinMax overall, but uh, I go on and on uh, about Ghostbusters Afterlife with a spoiler-free review, so you can check that out there. Also, we have the call-in episode of MinMax Council happening this Sunday, this Sunday at 7 p.m. Central. So if you support us at the $20 tier, $20 tier on Patreon, you can call in and talk to us about anything under the sun, ask any question we're legally obligated to answer. So we look forward to hearing from you. It's always a delight talking to folks. Um, And you can, again, follow us on Instagram. We are 20 new followers away from giving away another Fixer S1, so jump in there. Give us a follow. I give a daily video update on what's going on, and you can help win a Fixture S1. Also on Twitter, give us a follow there. MinMax Show on Twitter. We're giving away uh, Diverge Coffee, and we gave away some uh, Castlevania sweaters from the Konami shop last week, so always fun giveaways there. All right. Hey, crew. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you all jumping on. Yay! Absolutely. And thanks again to all of our $50 supporters on Patreon. You know their names. It's DivergeCoffee.com, Andrew Yurkowitz, Oppa Switch on Xbox, Chris, Shakes, True King Music, Fixture Gaming's Fixture S1, I Am 8-Bit, Ludwig Roque, Zachary Pliggy, Andrew Valla, Beaten Down Brian, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Juar, Hello, Mercurico Torreno, Mark Seliga, John Higby, Call Me By Your Game Podcast, Drew or Honest, Dan Valone, Starkiller, Ted Riser, Clement Zobel, Steve Bamdad, Purebred Number 6, Spider Dan, Prethemir, Legatus, Barely in Your Eyes, and Generally D99. Thank you so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Yeah.